Hola. Hola, Charlito. Charlito. Hola, Charlie. Char. Hey, Charlie. Okay, Charlie. Is your name Charles? It's Charlie, not Charles. listen to it and my girls come over to me and uh, the little one is looking at the phone and she's like what are you doing I'm listening to my friend he's talking and uh, I'm learning some things and she's like who's your friend I'm like oh my friend Charlie Charlie not Charles Charlie not Charles so she goes what does he look like and my big one comes over and grabs the phone and she goes he looks like us I was like Mm. oh interesting oh you're like, I teared up. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like, yes, yes, yes. And I was, it, just, it just made me happy. And I'm like, this world, man. Like, we, we, we got to prepare them for the world that doesn't look yeah, like them. You know? Exactly. So, anyway. and, and representation I, is everything. But, I needed uh, to tell you that. I of course, I appreciated that, man. Because, you know, sometimes you look at these podcasts and you don't see um, folks that look like us, man. And I can only imagine... Uh, the bro, world I grew like up this. wanting to be like um, who was the kid Back to the Future Marty McFly Marty McFly yeah and then I yeah. was like but I ain't light I ain't light skin like that dude like yeah. I'm not white like that dude you know and I remember questioning like wow man like I'm different yeah. like I, you know I can never be Marty McFly I can never you know be a part of a cool story like that but uh, but well, I appreciate we, that we, man. We, we both did man in, in DR it's even funnier because the only thing you're exposed to is the American media. Right. And so everything you see is, you know, I remember like thinking like, wow, Michael Jackson, I want to live in a building with a fire escape. And, you know, back then those are dreams that are unattainable and you get here and that's like the only reality you have. Right. You know? Right, right. right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you're right. It's powerful stuff, man. So let's, let's get this started. Mm-hmm. Welcome everyone. Today I have a, another special guest. A police officer who's been recognized by the department for high-profile arrests, once a part of the anti-crime unit, right? Yeah. Now sergeant at the Office of Chief of Detectives, my good friend, and yes, I, I think some cops are cool. It's the overall structure that I have issues with. Uh, also my fraternity brother, husband, father of two beautiful little girls, Sergio de la Mota. Thank you for being here, brother. What's good? Thank you. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for thinking of me special enough to, to be uh, on your podcast. I'm, I'm flattered and I'm honored, and uh, I, I can't wait to see what comes out of us. You know, I don't remember the last time I saw you. Was it the, was the last the time club. I saw you uh, through the Zoom trivia, in which I think you did pretty well in that, right? Oh, thank did you. you thank win? Did yeah. you win that game? No, uh, no, no, yeah, you I, didn't win. Yes, I did. What are you talking about? You did win, huh? I did. I okay. hit you all with the okay. Marenga trivia. Okay, okay. But, <laughs> but the last time... The lot, yeah, that, that kind of caught me. Because cause you, you took it back to, like, Merengue trivia from, like, 1980s. I got I to keep it real, son. Every now and then, Bro. you know? Well, by the way, that wasn't the last time we saw each other. The last time we, chose, we saw each other was at the Boys Club. Panel with Carlos panel. Velasquez. Shout out to him for and doing Jason. some amazing work. Which Jason? Pantera. Jason was on the panel? Yeah, he was the moderator. 
Okay, okay. Yes. Oh, no, you're talking about... I think you're getting confused. Oh, we've done so many. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Jason was the moderator with uh, Mastermind Connect. Oh, that's right, that's the right. The one in the panel one. in Harlem was with Carlos Velasquez and, oh, and, um, yep, yep, and yep. some other amazing brothers out there. But uh, again, shout out to Carlos Velasquez, who's also frat, that's right? right? Para siempre. He's doing Oops. amazing work, uh, mm -hmm. affecting lives of young men in Harlem. But um, what's up, bro? How are you feeling? <sighs> That's how I'm feeling. Uh, things are good, man. Things are good. You know, uh, I, I, I should have told you before, I think it's important for, for people to realize something. And, and I think I'm going to address, there's two things that I think I'm going to, well, not that I think, I'm going to make my goal going forward. Number right. one is, if you're going to introduce me to a friend, mm. on a podcast, uh, to anybody, I think the first thing you should say is, he's a father of two. Because mm. when I wake up in the morning, the very first thing I am. It's nothing else. I'm not even Sergio yet. Right. I am the father of these two little things. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, I, and I think people who, some people can relate to that, whether you're a father or you're a mother or just because you have a father and or a mother, um, you can relate to that a little bit more. And, and so that kind of breaks down, breaks down some barriers right. before you get to, oh yeah, he's also a cop. Of course. Which is, of course. you know, I'm, I'm that for eight hours and 35 minutes of the day, right. which is a very important part. But, the very first thing I am is um, it's a father. The second thing that I think I'm going to address uh, going uh, that I know I'm going to address going forward is uh, I, I don't really I've grown to dislike the term people of color. Mm. Like wow. why awesome. am I mm -hmm. why am I the one of color? Right, because white is a color. White is a color, mm -hmm. right? And the ones that is that are affected most by anything is the is white, right? right. We don't bruise as easily if you pinch, you twist, you hit. Or with the sun, we don't bruise as easily. Or if a mosquito bites, you know, I don't turn colors. You do, you know. Right. And not to say that it's that it's good or bad, but I'm just saying, like, why don't you be the person of color right. and let me just be black? So, so what would you feel more comfortable with? I'm not? black. Just black. Yeah, yeah, I'm black. <laughs> black um, Afro Latino, right? Is well? uh, I don't like Afro Latino okay, because you're okay. separating Afro and Latino. Well, so, so what do you think about the whole Latin Latinx thing? Like the like the intersections. The, uh, like you want to make it known the complexities of who you are. You're not only Latino, but you but you're you know African descent. Like Latino isn't that is African descent. Some you know colorism and about representation, especially in uh, Latino, you know, media, when it comes to Latino, it, it's mostly light-skinned Latinos that are that are being represented in the media. Right. When you said you're Afro-Latino, it's like, yo, I'm out here, I'm dark, I got thick hair, you know, um, I, I, I I, I'm a part of a class that really doesn't get the recognition that it deserves for the contributions that we that we provide to the culture. So uh, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Right. I mean, right. there, there's no dispute that the dark color Latinos underrepresented right. in the Latino community, but Latino is African. Yeah. You know, don't say, don't divide and conquer. You know, when you say white, you think white. Oh, it could be this, it could be that. Oh, think black. Don't separate black into well, you're black from here, so you're not really black. You're Afro Latino. Because I'm gonna mm -hmm. tell you what I've what I've gotten right. uh, primarily at work with with friends at work and, and co-workers at work is well you're not really black you're 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 hispanic or no you're not really black you're latino right. and i'm like that's yeah it's like saying you're not really from new york you're you're from the bronx like no no, no. yeah the bronx is a part of new york like latino is a part of 
Africa. Right. You know, so I, I just, I'm not, I mean, some people are proud to carry the new trend of Latinx. I don't know if it's pronounced like that. I don't. Latinx. Well, you know, I'm still figuring that out. To be yeah, and, and, and I'm... Like, you know, and I respect the intersections. I respect providing space for people that have different attributes yeah. of who they are, you know, to like but, put and out listen, there. And I, and, and I get it, which is, but but you're saying that Afro-Latino, you're not really... I'm, and, and my point is this. I think it's important for you right. to, if you identify as Latinx, right. you do it. That's okay. great. I don't. Let's have the conversation and watch us disagree, yet still have a very similar strong point, which is the recognition of our blackness and the acknowledgement of our blackness, which I think is done through conversation, not through separating terms, you know, even in the senses, like, why do I still have to, after I said I'm black, why do I still have to say I'm Latino? I, I struggle with that as well. I don't know okay. if, it, if it, is it is it right, is it wrong? I, you know, I kind of feel like you know they're, they're splitting us up for some reason. Maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. I, I don't know. Right, so, um, so you know, saying that you're just Latino but being black may have the opposite effect if you just say you're Afro-Latino because you're saying that it's, it's not normal to be black and Latino, that therefore you have to put the Afro you know, before it. You know, just to have that distinction. Like, no, like you want to say you're Latino when people see you and they say, well, you know, you don't look Latino. And I was like, no, I am Latino. This is what, Lati- yeah. this is what Latino looks like. Yeah. A yeah. dark-skinned brother like me. It could look like the light-skinned brother, you know, down the block, but yeah. it also looks like me. Well, he- here's the interesting part about that, right? And, and, and my perspective has changed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Listen, I, I was, uh, I was a, and I'm not going to do, I don't want to talk about me a lot, but yeah. there, there are some things that I think people should, should know about me. You know, when I was in college, I was a political science major, mm-hmm. you know, at SUNY New Paltz. Same here, same here, political uh, science. Uh, yeah, and I was also a black studies minor and a women's studies minor. You know, this whole woke business. Mm-hmm. I've been living it, and I've invested money back when I was a teenager. You know, mm-hmm. since then, I've believed in, 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 in these causes that we're still fighting for today. Right. People like to see the uniform, and they're like, that's it. This guy has no idea. Hey, relax, you know, who you're talking to. Yeah. Um, you know, but the, the, my perspective has changed more because I now have to explain it to two little kids. Mm-hmm. Two brown... Who, who are brown, right, right. Brown, curly-haired little kids in a 98% white um, school district that they're about to enter. And that's a, listen, race and, and, and communities of color, I'm sorry, race and police is probably the biggest, most sensitive topic in the United States right. currently. You know, I, there are still other topics that are sensitive, you know, the trans lives, that's, that's, a, that's a sensitive topic. You know, um, you, you know, we can talk about religion, we can talk about abortion, we can talk about social injustices, but Right now, which social injustice is a part of the uh, uh, police and communities of color topic, that, that right there is the biggest, most sensitive conversation that anybody can have. And you, right. you can't dis- be dismissive about it. So going back to talking to my kids and, and, and me gaining perspective, I know how, now have to explain to them what, what it is. What does the skin color mean? Mm-hmm. And, and the interesting thing is that other couples, other parents, be it white parents, uh, uh, interracial or biracial parents or, or black parents or Hispanic parents, they're not having these conversations with their toddlers, but I am. Mm. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but there's one thing I know is that if I don't teach it to you here, you're going to get it from the next person you hear it. So I might as well introduce you to it. And let me tell you something, Charlie. It's, it's a tough conversation explaining to your kids what 
does skin color mean, mm. right? It's not as simple as it doesn't mean anything. Right. Because then you also want them to be proud of who they are. Like these, these two Dominican kids are going to go into an all-white school and they're going to acclimate to that culture. So I better keep it Dominican at home, right? right? But I also have to tell them, no, skin color doesn't mean anything. Well, what do you mean it doesn't mean anything? You said that we're Dominican and we get our skin color because from, from this Dominican Republic where different skin colors come, but ours is one of them. And I'm like... It's it's a tough uh, it's a, it's a tough war yeah. where I'm like it doesn't mean it and, and it, how do you explain to a toddler it doesn't mean that you behave a certain way right. it just means that you know how do, you, society it, may view you it's know, there culture may be, there may be you know there may be situations that are uncomfortable uh, where an individual that is not informed right um, can treat you a certain way because of your color but you have the right to ignore them, to dismiss them, and to not let them affect the way you move in this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I, you know, I, I respect that. Just talking about family, especially during this time, you know, how are you with, with COVID? Like, everyone in family safe? Everyone's healthy? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Every, everyone's, thank God, everyone's, uh, everybody's on the good side, you know. I, mm. I wasn't exposed. I worked throughout the whole thing. Um, I worked, uh, I was doing midnights, um, during the riots, uh, I was doing, I, I was out, uh, in the streets for the protests. Right. Um, again, yeah, we'll get so into I'll be the there protests. tomorrow, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, I'm still, you know, and, but, but I'm sure many, because I think the numbers that they displayed in the news of police officers being infected were oh, yeah. ridiculous. Oh yeah. We lost, I want to say, oh man, I, you know what? I don't want to misspeak. But right. the, we lost a ton of people right. that were out sick. I people mean, people so, that you know, people that you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the guy that sat next to me in the office, he was out. The lady across the street, across the, the my my cubicle, she was out. Two people behind me were out. Yeah, Any, no people. Anyone were passed away? Anyone that you know passed away? Um, two people, two detectives that I know, uh, passed away or that mm. I knew passed away. Black, brown, white. Um, one white, one black. Mm. Um, they were not from my office, but I knew them from right. before. Uh, so yeah, yeah, no, the COVID, COVID affected us and, yeah. you know, and, and that way, the same way it affected the rest of New York city, Scary you know, we kind of, we kind of all went through that together, you know, and, and, um, yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, I don't think we're out the woods. Um, I think we're, we're probably going to see another wave, uh, of, of, uh, the numbers skyrocketing again. Right. You know, I, I work in the, I work in the detective bureau, so the the bulk of my work revolves around what these detectives or investigators are doing. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing that we were smacked in the face was um, the amount of dead bodies in New York City. Right. There was there was no way we couldn't respond. There was not enough that were in their apartments. In they were at home. They right. were dying right. at home. They may have died in the street. The amount of people that were dying was just unmanageable right. and to add to that we were not prepared we weren't equipped we didn't even have masks you know that we it was bizarre so uh so that was the first like oh man we're, we're about to deal with something uh something crazy um somehow some way we kind of pulled through that and then but then we were we began to uh become uh infected and some people got sick some people died um but yeah, just the same as the rest of New York City. Yeah, right. I'm scared. Well, 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 good to hear that the family that the family is doing yeah. okay. Yeah. Right, tough time. I think you would agree to be a yeah. police officer, sergeant. Is that interchangeably? Like, can I still refer to you as a police officer, even though you're a sergeant? You can call me whatever you'd like. 
Uh, <laughs> that's the correct term, brother. No, I. Uh, you earned, no, you earned did, your, your promotion, I so the, I don't want to disrespect. The, the sergeant rank is probably the toughest rank in the NYPD because you are. Shameless s- plug. Huh? Shameless plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's tough, man. It's tough because you're, you're 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 the front line supervisor. You're the first line of supervisor right. to this to these officers. But um, I, I'm a sergeant. Right. Um, and uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank I'm you. sure you know. Look, I don't want to assume, but. How many uh, black and brown sergeants are in New York City? Uh, definitely not enough. I mean, I, I think there are some issues there. I, it's, it's, we've gotten better. There's, there's a push now from black executives, uh, some black executives, promoting, hey, now it's coming from their mouth. Study, study, study. And they're, they're talking to the young guys with one, two, th- guys and gals, one and two, three years on. So, so the push is there's a lot more okay. exposure and pressure. Is there the is there like mentorship? Like there is a lot of mentorship. Okay, good. Yeah. I Continue. I am very big and I am, I, I I seek mentorship. I sought it from you. I seek it from everybody you know that I that I hold uh, to high esteem. Um, and I provide as much as I humanly possibly can. Um, not just necessarily because of a thing of color. Um, the majority of the people just happen to be uh, men and women of color, right. but. But I, I mentor as many people as I can. But uh, there's not enough. There's definitely not enough. The good thing is that the NYPD, and I, and I, I don't know, I guess I should preface this. Like, I, I know that I'm not here to defend the NYPD. Oh, you're not. I, I will give you're you not. exposure. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry to disappoint. Like... <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint, but I'll give you exposure to the things right. that I've seen, good right. and bad. Right. Uh, you're probably going to be like, oh, well, all you said is good. And, and I promise you that it's not going to be like that. I'm going to tell you some things that I've experienced that were not necessarily so good. Um, but but I say that because the NYPD is done. They there are people dedicated strictly to being the mindfulness of how people are promoted. Is it too many men? Is it too many white men? Is it too many women of color? Are there enough uh, Jewish people here? Are there enough black people here? Hispanics here in rank in discretionary ranks. So there are people in the NYPD that this is their job. You know so. As an agency, not not a lot of other agencies can say that, right. especially at this size. It is is it their job to assess culture? Like, you know, what is the culture of the New York Police Department? What is the culture? I don't, like I don't know. Like, if you used to describe the culture of New York Police Department, well, so the state or the city, right? The city is largely Democratic, right? And I think you know we've spoken about this before. Um, a good number, I would say. A majority, I would argue, a majority uh, nationwide. Um, back in two thousand sixteen, I think the numbers were like eighty percent of working police officers were Republican and voted for the Republican candidate that we have now. And, th- and this is not just to make it political. You know, if it was like another Republican candidate or president, then you know it wouldn't be that much of an issue. But right. it's it's the one that's sitting in the office in the White House right now, and. You know, New York City being the beacon of progressiveness, as de Blasio once said, um, you know, but then he uh, gets a police commissioner that's a uh, long-standing Republican, right? Um, so when we want to talk about culture, what do you think the culture is in the New York City, New York Police Department, and how that affects the way they treat or they deal with citizens in the city that are apparently different in, in political factions? That's a great question. That's a great question. I'm, I'm going to say, I, I don't know nationwide, 
I, I know mainly my experience, my experiences in New York City. Uh, I can give you an assumption and I can give you my opinion about right. those things. Right. My assumption, which I think is probably very well educated, is that the majority of New York City police officers are Republican. Okay. The ma- certainly the majority of the ones that I've come across. Right. Um, and uh, that, that is, I, I'm actually very confident saying that. I don't think that really matters as far as treatment. I don't think your political stance determines how you treat people. It's not. It doesn't equate to whether you're a racist or not. Right. right. You know. I. I. But 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 it, it may equate to what you find important, right? What you prioritize. So if if you elect a president that um, you know considers Black Lives Matter a terrorist organization, right? But yet. You know, fails to denounce white supremacist groups, um, and then you're dealing with people with communities of color. You know, you're saying that we're not connecting on that struggle. Yeah. You know, and my job here is to protect, to serve, and to also, you know, make sure that no one is breaking the law. But you I, know, I can see, I can see where you're where you're where you're going, right? But I, I will say this, and and let's take it back to the undergrad days right. and our political science days. We. We learned very early on that in a party, you may have 10 of us who are this party, right? The 10 of us are Democrat Mm -hmm. for different reasons. Some may be Democrats because of the way the Democratic Party votes on abortion. Some may be Democrats because of the way the Democratic Party votes on social spending. Some uh, veterans, the other the war. You know what I mean? So there's a slew of different... Reasons and and we've I'm pretty sure at Buffalo you found the same conclusion that we did at New Post is that the majority of people joined their political picked that political party based on their parents mm-hmm. you know what I mean so I don't I don't think political party equates to how you treat people I've seen it not matter I agree I agree you know I I, I and 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 I've seen it where it's blatant that I'm there and I've seen it where it's blatant that I'm not there. You know, so I, I don't think that political and Dermot Shea being the police, the police commissioner, being a Republican means absolutely nothing. You know what I mean? The 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 other thing is this: a New York City Democrat and a New York City Republican. Right. That's completely different than a Westchester course, or Yonkers yeah, or sure. upstate New York Democrat or Republican. You know, that we're we're all this party, and and we're not necessarily all ideologically. Uh, aligned based on or when it comes down to just race um, so so that's kind of how I feel you know I work with people I have great friends that are I you know have great friends that are Republicans that doesn't mean uh, that they're not family oriented people that that love and 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 are willing to share ideas and we can disagree on some things I, I'll tell you for me personally and I, I know it's very personal but uh, what makes me a Democrat is, how the Democratic Party spends the bulk of that money, right? The Democratic Party believes in social programs. I'm a a product of these social programs. I lived in the projects, so I benefited from that. We were able to make it out of that because we we were afforded that opportunity. You know, it's kind of like a a step up. And look, I've detached. I'm a success story when it comes down to the projects, if you you will. You know, I I care about how the Democratic Party... uh, spends on 
SYEP, another thing, another program right. that I'm a product of and that helped me get out of right. and not step into gangs and drugs and all these things. Right. Th those are the be core beliefs that make me a Democrat. Not necessarily how they feel. Or I don't even know how the majority of the Democratic Party feels on abortion. You know, I would assume that they're largely pro-choice. Pro -choice, yeah. yeah, yeah. But if but if somebody became pro-life. What do I have to weigh out? Is this what? What do I? What's at stake here most? Not that that's an easy decision to make, but again, my priority is social spending. I, I do think that there's a with with the police departments, and again, I may be wrong, right? But there is a self-interest in being that in electing a Republican historically, electing a, a Republican president, um, re Republican presidents, and obviously we have exceptions with. You know, uh, Bill Clinton, who pretty much militarized the police departments. But, but historically, Republican presidents have provided more funding for the police department. So why bite the hand that feeds you, right? Republican presidents, presidents have, have historically provided more fund or, you know, supported policies I, I, you're absolutely that, right. that strengthen you're the absolutely police departments. Right. Right? And Democratic presidents tend to take away, right? Like right. Obama, of course. who I love dearly. Uh, he decided to take away the militarized look and gear out of police departments just because it looked too militant, right? Forget the practicality. Um, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. right. Democrats are, you know, I don't want to say anti-cop, but they tend to err opposite of the ideals of the of police officers across the country, whereas Democrats... I'm sorry, Republicans tend to favor and right. be pro-police, yeah. Right. You know, I do think there's a connection. I see you looking at cigars. Um, uh, yeah, 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 what do you sorry. have there? What do you have there? Uh, I got this uh, Ashton. I got a little uh, Brazilian. What is this called? Uh, I know it's a Colombian. Sorry. Cow. And I have a Monte Cristo. And then somebody gifted me this cane, which is actually a really good cigar. You, how do you like cigars? You know what? That one. The cane? I like, oh, yeah, I like you're, the... You're, you're really going to like this. You're okay, really let's do it. Like it. Okay. You know, uh, in, in Cuba, they, they taught me how to make sure that a Cuban... I mean, that a cigar is oh, man, I'm of nervous. quality. I'm so nervous. what they do is, it's a, it's a few steps. The first step is to feel it, right. to see that it's, uh, it's soft, yeah. right? It's moist, but it's not too moist, where it's not going to light up because it's too, it's too wet. And then... Um, See if the leaves are consistent, in which they are. Oh, I passed the um, test. And then, but as you do that, you want to make sure that you, while you twist a cigar, you, you put it close to your ear. And if you hear too much cracking. of a cracking, is because the leaves are uneven. And the cigar maker was super lazy, but it doesn't appear to be the case. So thank you for this. I think, I think this is going to be a great experience. I appreciate it. Good, that. good. I got, look, can you use my uh, Sergeant's Benevolent Association cutter? Oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Don't worry about that, man. Is it... Is it is look it, how fancy that is. Oh, it's got a gold shield. You know you want one. Stop oh, it. This guy, man. Thank you for allowing me to smoke this nice cigar. Yes, yeah, that's great. Of course. Of course, this is what happens when, uh, you know... You, you I know. can't smoke indoors in my house. Really? Well, you know, my room right here, <laughs> we close it. The ventilation system is up there. So, so what like, else are you smoking in here? Are you trying to take a statement right now? Are you on the job? I think it's called spontaneous <laughs> utterance. That's what we call it on the other side of the bridge. <laughs> this guy's on the job. Who are you working for, bro? <laughs> but um, you know what?
about talking about, you know, just the disconnect when we were talking about, you know, the New York Police Department and also, thank you. Damn, this is official. <laughs> official lighter, man. This looks like a fire extinguisher. I mean, the size of a fire extinguisher. How do you do this? Uh, there's a button on the side you press up. Gotcha. They didn't teach you to rotate the cigar when you're lighting it in Cuba? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you for the joy, man. Enjoy. So, going back to our conversation, right? So, look, I find it problematic that out of all of the industries in New York City, that police officers are not aligned when it comes to public ideals, um, when it comes to you know political ties. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But you know, we could leave it at that. And first of all, Patrick Lynch. The union rep leader, what the? Yo, bro. You know, before Trump, he is probably, you know, actually he's second to Trump yeah, when it comes to divisiveness. Yeah, no, no, he's not. He's not even that bad. The Sergeant's Benevolent Association Union President, my union president, mm -hmm. um, he is Patrick Lynch on steroids. Really? Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing is that he takes a lot of stabs at the... Uh, the executives of the NYPD. Yeah. So like the media only like gives him a little play when he does that, but they're not listening to his how he feels about everything else. You listen to him, you're like, oh, Patrick Lynch not that bad. But you know what? Listen, I, I think we've had this conversation before. I've, I've had the pleasure of of sitting, um, and I told this a few times. You know, I've had the pleasure of sitting in the same uh, couch and smoking a cigar with Al Sharpton. And, uh, and and other members of his camp. Right. Here you go. Thank you. No, no, that's it. I'm, oh, good, okay. I'm good on the light. I just want to drink. But yeah. And um, and and Sharpton explained it better. He goes, "We're we're two ends of the spectrum. Patrick Lynch is one on my on the opposite end of my spectrum. You know what I mean? And that's how it's got to be. You never see those two guys agree uh, because they have, regardless of whether they agree behind closed doors, they're going to be on the on separate ends of the spectrum." You know, mm -hmm. you, you can't take what a union rep is saying and, and hold the entire board or the entire body. Right, because he's of, also advocating for the New York Police Department. That's his client, if you will. Right. Right. Yeah. But, you know, but it's kind of tricky when the public is looking at you as a representative of this department. And you're out there and you're he's never given, uh, a, you know, a victim of a police killing any any respect from what I've seen? Uh, never... I don't know. I don't. I don't. Listen. I. I don't know that that's necessarily true. Right. And I am not. And 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 I don't. You know. I don't want to spend too much time on Patty Patty oh, yeah, Lynch yeah, yeah, yeah. because, like, I. I don't. Yeah, you I, don't know much I, about. I, him. Quite honestly, I don't listen. I don't listen when he talks. I already know where he's gonna go. You know what I mean? So it's not. It's not. I. I, I roll my eyes and I shut it off. Right. You know. I know his intentions are well. I know he's there to protect the cops. Somebody needs to do it. Somebody does need to be on that polar opposite end of the spectrum. Right. Just the same as somebody needs to be on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. He, he's an advocate. I get it. Yeah. He's yeah. an advocate. I so you can't take him and quote him and to, to measure temperatures in the NYPD. Don't don't use him as the example. Right. No, no. I
when when talking about reducing tension in communities when it comes to police officers. He's not the guy. He's not the guy, but this is the guy that they tend to see on the video, on on the news, screaming, yelling. Yeah. You know, but um. And you know who, who cops tend to look at and read every morning to feel how communities of co- to see how communities of color are feeling towards them. Univision. Univision is always giving them props. Negative. Well, no, no, no they don't. Do they? <laughs> Nah, well, it's not. It's Sean King. So, you think about that. Sean King? Yeah, Sean, Sean King. Con- yes. Sean King. Okay, what about Sean King? <laughs> what about him? He's extremely incendiary and, and anti-police. Regardless of whether he has a good point or not, he you know he posted a video the other day where uh, he there's like a... Per- two cops are going to go arrest somebody. The person is resisting. And then somebody comes out of nowhere and just violently pushes the cop. The cop tumbles. And the person like almost gets away. Sean King is like, "Where is that King? We should applaud him." Ah, man! Imagine if that was your brother that they were trying to arrest. Like Let, let's that talk about that for doing nothing. Let's First of all, are, you know what? Let me ask you this: biological brother, right? He wants to join the police department. What do you say? Absolutely not. Okay, and why? I'm. I've fought enough. I've, I've suffered enough, I sweat enough, so that nobody else in my family, like, I don't want my kids to be cops. You know, I think the job has been great to me. I love, love, love the work that I was doing pre-COVID. You know, I think s- since this whole bail reform thing started, being an NYPD cop has is not the same. Um, and I think pol- politicians ruined it, right? Uh, and, and they demonized police officers. And... Some of it is deserving. Most of it is absolutely undeserving. Um, so then this isn't what it was in 2010 when I got on right. the job. It wasn't, you know, I was a sergeant in the Bronx uh, just a year ago. And I was there for a year, almost a year and a half. And I loved that more than anything I've ever done in my entire life. And nobody's ever going to understand it except the men and women that are out there right now going to the 911 calls when somebody calls. Right. You know, you, let me ask you something. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the sentiment towards the police in the hood, like in the middle of the Bronx? You go to the Bronx right now, right? High Bridge. How do you think the majority of people feel towards the police? Right now in the climate, you know, everybody's protesting and all this. I what think, do you think? I give, think me the, give me a percentage. I think, I think there's a mix, right? And, and Give me a percentage. Uh, I would probably say... Percentage of people of whether people are for the police or against the police, mm. um, I would probably say, uh, you know, I don't want to you know yeah, put give numbers me your out there, opinion. but you know, slightly more against the police, but there is a good faction of, of people that are for the police because they're in fear of what's happening in their communities. So you know, and which is why this is this is where you and I can disagree in, right? You know. Well, a lot of a lot of a lot of you know a lot of a lot of what you and I disagree with is that you you know you tend to point out and reasonably so because you live it and you risk your life every day for it you point out individual incidents right what I speak to is the change of institutional structures right um, so so you know a lot of the folks especially in these communities where uh, there may be issues because they're living in poverty lack of education. And mental illness is running rampant, especially in the Bronx. Come on. If I had a dollar for each time I was on the four train and a dude is singing his own 
hip hop song, like his own rap song, his own bars, because I, I never heard the bars before, but he's singing it with so much confidence because he was the one that, that, that wrote it, like to himself and having conversations to himself. Like mental illness is a real thing in the Bronx. And I'm sure it's a real thing in Harlem. I'm sure it's a real thing in other boroughs. But I see it a lot in the Bronx. So again, if I'm a person that's going home, I'm just thinking I'm on survival mode. I'm trying to protect myself, right? And especially if you don't have the educational, you know, like the education to understand why the situation, what it, you know, is what it is and what led to that, mm. um, what has been put in place to exacerbate those conditions, then yeah, my, my number one focus would be like, look, I'm trying to live a safe life. Police officers are my friends. And you know what? And I look at you, bro, and you know I respect you, you know? And you know I love you. You know, I've known you for, for many years. You're a man of integrity. Yeah. My issue is that I don't think you represent a good portion of the force. All right. And that's what I think. We need more brothers like you. Because I know you do outreach. I know you go out there and you talk to kids that, you know, that look like you and I. But I don't think, I don't think most of your colleagues are doing that. So, so let me address two things. The first thing is this. The percentage of people in, quote unquote, the hood that like and dislike cops, right? Mm -hmm. It's a 90 to 10 percent, right? 90 percent of the people like. Really? Like the police. Where did you get those numbers from? This is Surgeon that I'm out of being out in the streets, being right. out in 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 High Bridge and Melrose and Mount Eden right. on midnights in the summer. I've you, you know, you can stand in Times Square and people walk by or in the Upper West Side and people walk by and say thank you to the police. And you're like, oh yeah, of course you're gonna thank me. You're reaping the benefits. Mm -hmm. But when people do that in the Bronx, you're like, oh you're still thanking me? These motherfuckers are shooting each other up. You're still thanking me? You know what? No, thank you. Thank you. Right? So so the, the key thing is he, is this. Somebody, and, and I'm going to give you, I, I guess I got to give you stories. I call them more stories. But I, I worked with this rookie who never been in New York City before. Problem number one of the NYPD, and I've told you this, for at least, I've been telling you this for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I've addressed this with uh, Sharpton. I've addressed it with Mar Mar uh, Marty Burrito when she was the Speaker of the House. I've addressed it with uh, Vanessa Gibson. I, I, I voiced this. Problem number one with hiring in the NYPD is that you're hiring people. I'm still good. You're hiring people that have never stepped foot in New York City. So if you've never stepped foot in New York City, what are you going to go by? You're going to go by what you saw in movies and what you see in the news, right? Right, But you don't know the reality. You don't know the unwritten rules. You don't know, and here's my first experience as a rookie cop. I'm walking with this other cop, uh, female white, who is uh, new to the city, right? She just moved into the city. Bro, you know, I'm agreeing with you because I go through that all the time when dealing with prosecutors, especially in Manhattan District. It, how, how frustrating is that? Like, listen Most to of them don't, don't, you know, they come from communities that aren't diverse. You don't have a dog in the fight. Right. Why are you even here? You want a name for yourself. You want to be like it is in the movies. This girl, we're walking by, right? We're walking down Tompkins Square Park uh, by, uh, I think it was 9th Street between Avenue A and Avenue B. There's like a church, or there was a church over there. All these cars are double parked, right? Sunday morning. So she's like, oh, you know what? I'm going to write all these cars, double, the double parking summonses. You know, they, they're asking for double parking summonses because 
uh, car accidents are up due to double parked cars. Right. And I'm like, you can't ride these cars. So why not? They're in church. Religion's observance. Hello? She's like, where does it say that I can't write it? I'm like, what are you talking about? The same thing as... Then two weeks later, all tennis out of the street. Another male white. Not from... from, He was from Staten Island. He's not not in the NYPD anymore. He went to another police department, thank God. But he goes... uh, Ultimate side of the street. People are double parked on one side. We drive up the this, this street, and he's like, I'm going to ride all these cars double parked summonses. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's ultimate side of the street. We get into the hugest fight in the car right. because he wants to ride all these, car, these cars. And I'm like, think about this. The freaking summons for not moving your car for ultimate side of the street at the time was like 35 bucks. If you park on this side, it's 115 why would you risk right. the $115 summons? Just take the $35 summons. Yeah, well, it doesn't say anywhere that I can't write it. So that's just, a, those are small examples of people that don't understand New York City culture, New York City living. Bathing in, in, in hydrant water. Right. Ah, this is disgusting. I mean, don't get me wrong, I wouldn't do it today, but yeah, we all did it. You did it. You did it. I done it. You know what I mean? Like, and they drive by this, and they're like, why? I don't understand that water is disgusting. Why would they? Like, I, don't, I can't even, like, the amount of, 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 of energy that takes for me to get into that conversation. I, I've had it each time, but it is exhausting. So problem number one is that you're, you're, you're hiring people that have never been in New York City to police the people of New York City. So I, let me go back to where I was going. I get this rookie. I got, you know, remember, I have a question for that point that you just mentioned. You're, you're so. going to have to need a pen or pencil like I got it, right, guy? <laughs> I got it, I got it, <laughs> so, I got it. So this kid, I'm a, it's, it's short, this kid gets in the car. We're driving around. He's like, oh, look at these people. I can't believe, you know, we're, we're, now we're in the 4-4 precinct. Right. Undisputedly, one of the worst, not, well, I don't want to say worst, one of the busiest, most violent places in the Bronx, okay? We're in this neighborhood, and we're driving around on midnights, and it's just, it's, it feels like it's carnage. It feels like I'm, at, uh, I'm, I'm the security guard at, uh, at Jurassic Park. There's just so much going on, and like just things are flying over your head that you can't even process at all. Okay, so so let's be clear, it's not Jurassic Park because when you say Jurassic Park, uh, there were animals in Jurassic uh, Park. No, there's dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. <laughs> and is, dinosaurs are animals, called, right? It's called an allegory. All right, okay, okay, yeah, very. Right? Just, just I'm, make I'm it very clear. poetic. Make it clear. Well, let me let me, me preface <laughs> very my, my poeticism. All right, uh, let's Tanto not Pablo Neruda, tanto. <laughs> You're doing right, Piri Tomas. So, uh, <laughs> legend, frat legend. brother of ours. Yeah, yeah. frat brother, he actually spoke at our at our uh, banquet, our national banquet. But anyway, and we brought him to New Paltz really? to speak at New Paltz. Is he, is he still living? No, no, he passed away a few years back. Really? Yeah, and oh. he said when he came to New Paltz, he's like, this may be my last trip to New York. And we're like, don't say that. And he's like, ah, oh, just watch. Super morbid, man. Cool as hell. I admired him. You admired him? Oh, I, absolutely. I absolutely. think he identified himself as Afro-Latino. Does that change your perception of Of the course term? not. People are entitled <laughs> to their own opinion, and it made different. I'm lying. I don't know. I don't know if he identified himself as Afro-Latino, <laughs> but he was definitely really big on... He wanted the world to know that he was a black Puerto Rican. He's a black... He took exactly. pride in that. Yep. Yeah, but, but anyway... So, so anyway, point. so things are flying all over the place, right? Uh, and uh, this kid is like, how do these people live like this? I don't understand how you can have just so much just messed up stuff in one area. Like, who allows this? I'm like, hey, kid you realize that it's 2 o'clock in the morning, right? right? The people that work tomorrow, they're all home sleeping. So the people that you are seeing now, right, 
Probably the majority of them, I'll give them that. I said, probably the majority of the people that you're seeing now are probably up to no good, as in, like, they're going to go get a, their drugs or they're looking for a car to break into because that's, that's it is what it is, right? right. I said, I'll give you that. But you got to realize that you're looking at maybe one, maybe one and a half percent of the people that live in this neighborhood. So he says, ah, you know what? I never, it was a longer conversation, but right. he's like, I, I never really thought of it like that. You know, I'm like, yeah, I need you to start thinking that what you're looking at is a, is a spoiled sample. You're not looking at everybody. You know, you're looking at a small percentage of what's happening. And you've only been here, mother effer, for a couple of weeks. So relax, guy. Give it, give it 10 years. Right? Okay. You know, in 10 years, you're going to see that there are a lot more people. And so that, that's, that's what ends up happening. You're in the Bronx, you know, the 4-4 precinct. Again, violence galore. But you have people that come out and thank the police for being there. Thank you. For, and listen, those light towers that like light up the whole block, they're annoying. But people think, listen, I, oh, I know my daughter can walk down this block. Believe it or not, right. people, people still oh, no. love the listen, police because of the, the safety that we offer. And I don't think policing in the 21st century is about keeping people safe. You know, I don't, I don't think people are disputing that. Well, well I, you know, didn't Commissioner uh, Shea? Yep. Commissioner Shea, didn't he say that the 21st? Well, he said that anti-crime unit is not 21st century policing. Well... Which is which is which goes to like wanting to keep people safe, but critics claim that that goes at the cost of bullying the neighborhoods. The uh, reason why anti-crime police that the team was disbanded, that that right there is what kept the city safe. And and some you know the, the inside bullying there's a lot of neighborhoods. So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you, you're gonna call it what you're gonna call it, but then after you hear it, then you, maybe you look at it a little bit different. And you're a defense attorney, and we spoke at what part is that uh, in Brooklyn that they do all the guns. The GP part? GP, yeah. Right. Yeah, we, we spoke. I think you were going in. I was going in after you. We, we might have missed each other at one time. But uh, anti-crime was in... And there's a lot... Oh, that's what I was going to say. There's a lot of uh, inside jokes within the NYPD about anti-crime, right? Because you you absolutely need anti-crime right. in some places. You don't need them everywhere. You don't need them in the 2 precinct where there ain't nothing going on. You may not need them in the 4-5 precinct over by City Island, where there's very little. Maybe now you do because of the Hells Angels headquarters being up there. You don't need them in the, I don't know, 9-4 precinct in Greenpoint. Greenpoint? You know, you, don't, you may not need them there, but you need them in the 4-4, Highbridge, Melrose. You need them in those places where people are carrying illegal guns. Okay. But at some point, and there's a reason why they were disbanded, right? Like the commissioner was, a, you know, a part of that decision, or he let made me, the decision. Let me know when you're ready. Um, and then when it comes to, to that, you know, you're talking about it being at the expense of rights. Yes. I didn't say that. You said well, that. I haven't answered. Well, I haven't spoken about anti-crime. Well, anti-crime units, like, like, what do they do? They they run up on people, right, so, in so. unmarked cars, right, yep. and start searching people. Start, you know, sometimes they've been criticized of being overly aggressive. One hundred percent. You know, also, you know. Many critics have, have talked about the people that actually join the anti-crime unit, which tends to be the very ambitious police officers 100%. That, that know what they're getting into and they right. expect violence. Therefore, they themselves, you know, they themselves approach it with some aggressiveness, aggressiveness and hostility. Over, even oversellers at some point. You know, but, but, this, but crime has gone down in the city, you know? Charlie, come on, man. No, no, no. Let's talk about it. Crime let's, let's, overall. Right, 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 crime, let me write down, down anti-crime. Crime right, overall. Let's address crime being down. All right, you ready? Crime. Murders. Mur no, hold up. You're going to talk about murders. No, no, no. I wouldn't even talk about murders. Clearly, let's agree, right? Murders are up, yes or no? Murders are up. All right, very good. Shootings are up, yes or no? 
Shootings, well, in the last what? In the last month? Shootings are up for the year. In the yes, summer. Right. Well, in the summer, they, no. they tend to be up. Shootings are up for the versus last year. Okay, and the rest are? Down. Why is that? I got, that's another Why is that? No, why down. is that? Arrest down. You know, because, because we have to, we I have to, it. we I have to, you know, down. politically, you know, and police officers are, are human beings, right? You got to give me, give me, let me. Oh, no, 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 yeah, go, you, go right you, ahead. You hit me. I got, I got, uh, I got. Because the blue flu is, is, is I got real, four right? things. Nah, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you about that. <laughs> the, you're going to call it the blue flu. I'm going to hit you with reality in two seconds. All right, four things I got written down. The first thing is the Blasio. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, the second thing is people that represent the force. I think, I think we're underrepresented, right? People that are pro community listen it exists but nobody wants to hear that one of our fraternity brothers who's also a masonic brother of mine i remember somebody was talking about these cops did this great job and his answer was don't show me cops saving babies that's what they're supposed to do show me when cops mess up and i'm like really that's all you want to see you know so so you're not gonna see the jeff madrys of the world right mm-hmm. the, the, he was the old brooklyn north guy who's out there kids and basketball, kids and this, and everything for kids, and let me go out there and give TVs to people that need it. You're not going to see that. You're not going to see the NCOs, you know, solving people's problems. People's problems, not police problems. Right. Housing problems. Right. Electric problems. A, a slew of things, right? right? That's what we've created. And I'm going to write that NCO because i got to go into, into that a little bit deeper. So... It's underrepresented. You're making my list longer. I know. I know. See, I see you're writing down, man. I know, because I don't want to lose. You're, you're making a lot of great points. You're asking a lot of phenomenal questions. And I will cheat you if I don't I get, get it, to brother. as many I of them as I can. Yeah. So, uh, anti-crime. I was an anti-crime cop for right. two years. A police officer in anti-crime. Right. All right? I was one of those guys. I knew what I was going to get into. Yo, we're going to go out there and get guns. Mm. Yeah. We're going to go yeah. out there and do it. At the time when I became an anti-crime cop, the NYPD... Right, was being told from City Hall, stops. Talk to me about your stops. Are you stopping the... Why isn't crime down? You need to stop more people. So then the NYPD turns into Comstock and says, well, how many people did you... You had a shooting at this place. How many people did you stop after that? So what, what does the commanding officer do? Turns to the anti-crime guys. Guys, go out there and stop more people in that area. And this is what they... And by the way, if, if you have 10 shootings... And all 10 shootings, the descriptions are male black teenager, this, da, da, da. Which male is like 90% teenager, of da, da, the people da, da. in the neighborhood. Male black teenager, da, da, da. Then guess what they're going to stop? Male black teenagers. Then you're absolutely right. That doesn't excuse you stopping every single male black teenager for, for no reason, right? That doesn't excuse it. Right. But this is what was happening. This, is the, this, this was a, the stop, question, and frisk, UF 250s is called. That was the most proactive tool the NYPD had. Okay, the most proactive people are like, are you pro to stop question and frisk? You are goddamn right. I am pro stop question and frisk. What I am against was how the department turned around and said, I want numbers. That's wrong. Right. Now you just want numbers. Yo, stops are up, stops are down. But like, how That's- can you prove if you're stopping and frisking without the numbers? No, no. When you're telling guys, I need more stops. Right. That's wrong. I'm not, no, no, you got to document the stops. The whole reason why stop, question, and frisk reports are good is because you're going to a neighborhood, you're seeing somebody that everybody loves to fit the description. That's not the only reason why you stop people. You know, if you're, if you're standing in a place, and, and this was my experience, I'm, 
I'm standing in a place where burglaries are prevalent right. during the hours that burglaries are prevalent, and I see somebody fitting the description of the burglaries that are prevalent at this time at this location, and that person is being furtive, looking back and forth, and when that person sees cops, he takes off running. Do, you as a, a defense attorney, do I have enough to stop that guy now? Let me tell you something. People... It's okay little, to agree. No, 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 no. It's okay to agree when the time calls for it, right? I, I know, yeah, yeah. The hood is complicated. Well, you know, I, I can be running because I owe child support. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But guess what? You are, you, and, and, and this is the I'm sorry. And by the way, this whole thing, we would have never, we would have never talked about stop, question, and frisk if cops would have known to apologize when it was time to apologize. I, I learned that the hard way. Yo, I learned that I could apologize as a cop when I had six years on the job. Yo, think about that, Charlie. Wow. Yo, nobody, yo, I apologize. Yo, I remember I went to stop this guy, right? This guy looks like he was doped out of his mind. Right. Somebody walks up to him. He gives that, that person money, and that person gives him something in return, and that guy puts it in his pocket mm -hmm. in a location where I've made hundreds of drug arrests. I have enough to stop this guy, right? So I run up, try to get the guy that's the dealer. I miss him, so I come back and I get the buyer. I'm like, all right, listen, I saw what you did. Give me, what do you got in your pocket? He's like, I'm not giving you ish. Uh, let me say, I said, I ain't giving you shit. Mm -hmm. uh, you ain't giving it to me, I'm gonna take it. So I go in his pocket, I pull it out, and it was two pills, but it was Tylenol pills. But in the process of me yanking the thing out of his pocket, he drops his bag and he has some CDs in, in his bag. So now and that's guy, why, right? And that's why he was probably trying to avoid you. Yeah, searching. yeah, yeah. But guess what? Guess what? Nothing is wrong so far. Right. But his CDs broke, right? He is pissed of off. Course. Not because I stopped him and I went in his pocket. No, because but he his broke CDs, CDs broke. broke. He's so, probably yo, selling them. He's yo, probably that's his the, way of making money. Yeah, and he lost his mind. He's like fucking screaming. I want to speak to your supervisor. And I'm looking at my partner Danny. You know, two dark-skinned Dominican dudes, right? Beards, probably look intimidating. I'm looking at him, and I'm like, yo, what are we going to do? This guy's going crazy. And Danny looks at me, and he's like, yo, talk to him. And I'm like, hey, man, listen, I'm sorry I broke your CDs. Yo, Charlie, a button, bro. It was a button I pressed. The guy was like, oh, all right, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm upset you broke my CDs. I know you didn't mean to. I'm like, yeah, I really didn't mean to. I just thought this is what it was. The guy was like, yo, you know what? You're right. I come here, and I buy, her uh, I buy uh, pills all the time, but I need a Tylenol, so that's why I hit him off. That guy sells other things, but I just need a Tylenol this time. Like, that's how, and I was just like, There's so much power in apology. Oh! But, but Serge, but we don't honestly, apologize this time. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, there has to be training, because, you know, Look, when people are going through tough times or even a bad day, like people can't afford to have bad days. Police officers can't afford to have bad days. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why I think the new law that was enacted where police officers have to report any any use of force. That's not new, that's old. No, no. Well, uh, last how year, last year, last year. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, 2018. You know, our anti-crime unit members were you required to report any use of force? Like, were you required to 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 um, report that you broke that that you grabbed someone's bag and and, and you uh, broke his CDs? Did yeah. you report so, that? So, so the stop, question, and frisk is in there, right? That is what you do in the stop, question, and frisk report. You would okay. fill out use force, yes, no, and then you describe what happened. So, so now we have a we have a way more detail, an overkill detail of how to report any force, force against cops, force used against somebody else, whether it's intentional or unintentional. So 
forget forget you know that that's not necessarily the case and but now we are we are like it's a hindrance now so i wanted to keep talking about anti-crime real quick anti-crime is it was is necessary in certain neighborhoods so what happens now is this anti-crime was doing a lot of car stops the majority of the guns that anti-crime we were doing and by the way i was a cop in anti-crime and as a sergeant i was an anti-crime sergeant in the bronx the majority of the guns were coming from cars right okay guess what Nobody's doing car stops to get guns anymore. 90% of the shootings in Brooklyn are either drive-bys or they jump out of the car, shoot, and jump back out of the car. Right? We debriefed somebody. That person told us, yo, we know, we know, uh, what did he say? He didn't say, uh, I forgot what he called cops. He basically said, we know cops aren't stopping cars anymore. We know the, we know the gun boys aren't out there anymore. So we're all driving around with the guns in the car. Who okay. said that? Who said that? This is a, a person that we debriefed, that we arrested and debriefed. Okay. And that's what this is what he told us. All right. One so, person. One person. One person told you. That. Yeah, yeah. But you got to realize something. I know. I know that it's easy to say. Well, this is why that's not necessarily the case. It's a fact. It's a fact that they, every there's guns coming out of cars all of a sudden, and there were before the shootings in Brooklyn before were not related to cars, or there were, but the percentage was probably ten. Now you're talking about ninety plus percent. At least in this co since COVID, okay. Now, why is anti-crime important? Anti-crime is important because there's nobody else, or there are a lot less units going after illegal guns now, and we are suffering that because shootings are up. Everybody's like, well, and the reason, and the reason, this is, this is the last thing about anti-crime. The reason why anti-crime was got was defunct or gotten rid of was because. Because of they were they are the aggressive police, and by aggressive, oh, yeah, most police killings happen with anti-crime. No, no, incorrect. No, 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 no I'm, asking, I'm asking. No, I'm asking. no, not, uh, and let me just say, in New York City, that's not the case. Okay, but nationwide, no. we don't know. I, I don't know nationwide, okay. and I don't want to give you because that because because you know when when Commissioner uh, Shea spoke about that, he signaled towards um, many of the crimes against like uh, people in the streets. Not crime, but police violence was was perpetrated by anti-crime units. So the anti-crime cops were the ones that are most likely were were the most likely to get into a physical altercation with somebody. Okay. And why is that? Because you're scaring people. You're jumping out the car. We have tactics that are meant to spook the person that's doing something wrong. That's what we do, or we did. You know what I mean? And by the way. In the Bronx, Sergio de la Mora. I've stopped, I, I can't even tell you the number. I shouldn't tell you the number. Uh, but I've stopped numerous amounts of people. Uh, then the, the problem is this. You have anti-crime cops, and then you have good anti-crime cops. The anti-crime cops will go out and just stop people because they look a certain way. Right? Not necessarily a black or white, but because they have a look. Right? right? If you see... Amadou Diallo was shot by anti-crime cops. Amadou Diallo was shot by anti-crime cops. Right. That's right. Um, just because they look a certain way, right? That's what an anti-crime cop may do. Right. A good anti-crime cop knows exactly what to look at. And the problem is that there, there weren't so many that were good anti-crime cops, okay. right? So the pro But now we're suffering. You get rid of it, now shootings are through the roof. You bring them back, shootings will so, subside. So, so there's many narratives as to why shootings are through the roof, right? You know, one, there's less arrests. Don't say, co oh, so I'm going to no, get to that. No, there's less arrests. Oh, no, 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 no. Look, look, bro, like, I'm not, you know, I'm telling you what the narratives are, you know? So, 
you know, please, and, and you're, you're in the field and you're out there, so I want, you know, this is not like me versus you. This is more no, like, no, you know, no, we're, no, we're no, getting no. information. And, and, and what I'm going to say to that, and it's very simple, it's very important, it's probably the only, the most important thing I'm going to say here today. Mm-hmm. Arrests are down. Why are arrests down? Would you say it's a response? Well, you know, again, it may well, be tell me what you things. think. It, no. you know, tell it, me what you okay. think. I'm going to tell you what it is. So, so, well, okay. So you're going to tell me what it is. So I'm going to tell you, yeah. What you, you think it is. No, I'm going to tell you what it is. But go ahead. I want you to okay. tell me what you think. Uh, arrests are down. Uh, it could possibly be because uh, the resources are strained um, in which uh, officers had to deal with protests. Um, also, uh, you know, there's a such thing as, uh, you know, the blue flu where officers are calling out sick uh, folks that represent the, the police department have said that this is a terrible time to be a police officer. So, uh, you know, obviously yeah, morale, obviously yeah. morale is affected amongst the, you know, the New York police department, um, um, you know, sickness, uh, you know, some say that, you know, morale is, is, is somewhat affected by the defunding of the police campaign. We'll call that the blue flu. Right, exactly. Yes. We, yeah, we could connect that to the blue flu. People not having jobs. Are we talking about arrests? Or are we talking about why no, there may be... No, why, why arrests down? Okay. Right? Well, yeah, so it would you, be that. So so let me address I, the two things pretty much co- cover for the most part, right? right. Uh, strained resources. Great point. Patrol arrests are not... So there's cops on patrol, then there are cops in investigative units, right? Patrol, uh, for the most part, remained on patrol assignments, the way that those resources were strained was because the majority of the people out sick were on patrol, right? So now guys were doing doubles, triples, you know. Right. Now, so yes, our resources were strained in that way. The sorry, the uh, the, ne- the the other way that you said, oh, the other way that the resources were strained is because narcotics detectives, the guys that were out there doing buy and bust operations and search warrants and so on and so forth, right. those guys were now reassigned to cover the sick people. Detectives were taken out of some specialized detective squads right. and put into regular detective squads in a precinct to cover for the people that were out sick. So yes, resources were strained, right? The blue flu. Which is which is something that's affecting all industries. Right, right. That's not the main reason for it. That may have been a big percentage. I would say maybe 49%, right? But not. I wouldn't say... Uh, I wouldn't say that that was actually not 49. I would give it like a 30, right? The next thing is the blue flu. You have blue flu year round and sometimes for 20 freaking years of their freaking careers. Guess what? Can you please explain what what people say when they say blue flu? I I, I would say it in police jargon, scammers. Right. You got scammers. You got cops that are scammers. Unfortunately, I would love to pluck every single one of them out. Unfortunately, that's a, that's a, that, that, that task is easier said than done. And you have barriers like the Patty Lynch's of the world, right? But there are scammers everywhere. I would say in a time like this, which was worse than 9-11, I would say that the scammers were a lot lower than ever before. You got guys, and, and, and I'm telling you a fact because I've spoken to these guys. We've, we've, we have those, those individuals that are still out there working. Right. People were saying, guys with asthma were saying, no, 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 I'd rather come to work. You know, guys with wives that were pregnant, good friend of mine, I'll, I'll still come to work. 
So this blue flu is offensive to those guys. Like, yo, I just quadrupled down on what I was doing, right? But we still had blue flu. We still had those offices that were like, I'm going to go out sick because I don't want to get COVID. I think I have COVID. Then you go get tested negative. No, I'm, I'm still sick. Right. I'm going to go get tested negative. Or like again. I know someone that was sick, so I'm quarantined. Right. You have scammers. You have, you're going to have scammers throughout, the, throughout life. I wonder, yeah. you know, I wonder what those numbers are. Um, I know they exist. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know that we have the right number or the, the actual number, but I know that those scammers exist. Because, you know, you always have someone like that at work where they're there to get a paycheck. Yeah. And then when, you know, when the temperature heats up and then when you're dealing with hostility because people are upset, mm-hmm. and, you know, look, this is my opinion. People are reasonably upset yeah. because of, you know, the, the police killings. Look, every year since 2013, police killings have gone up. Police well, killings nationwide. Nationwide, oh, okay. 2013. Yeah. You know, I, so I oh, you know, that. but again, nationwide. You know, George Floyd happened in, a, in like in another state, right? But yeah. it, it affects us, and it affected your job tremendously. So yeah. we have to keep an eye out on nationwide, you know, statistics and, and situations. Yeah. You know, because so I, I I'm going to address nationwide and 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 what that means. Uh, and, and the response to that. But let me just keep keep going on the arrest down, and I'm almost done, okay, right? No the problem. blue flu thing, um, is it a fact? Absolutely. But I think those numbers are down, and I think that they're lower than what they might have been throughout the year when nothing is going on. Right. Right? That, so when nothing is going on, you got people scamming. Now this happens. You actually had a lot less people scamming. Okay. But you had, you, it should have been zero. You still got people scamming, right? Um, then... Then let's talk about the district attorney's office, right? That right there is where the bulk of the issue lies. Call it passing the buck. Call it whatever in the Because they're, they're blaming that they're prosecuting everything that comes to them. Right. But there's but not enough on. arrests. Yeah, yeah. Manhattan DA said yeah. that. The Bronx DA said of that. Of course. All right. So if I say something, you're just going to believe it? No, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you what yeah. I'm reading yeah. on the, you know, like the we, New York Times and we, we have different articles. That, we have brothers that are, uh, that are district attorneys. Now, and you're probably not going to get... Um, uh, what's his name? Gonza- Eric Gonzalez in here. Shout out to Eric Gonzalez. Shout out to Eric Gonzalez. Right. Sealing, uh, uh, you know, marijuana misdemeanor charges. Oh, and convictions. Process- and prostitution and uh, what else? He's done a- and gun collars, you know. But but anyways, and what and gun collars? Gun arrests. <laughs> so so anyways, uh, Eric, I don't know much about the gun arrest, but but he, okay. you know, Eric has his own worries and he has his own reason why he he does what he does. Um, but but the district attorney's offices were telling us we're not prosecuting ca- certain cases we're not prosecuting anything that isn't a, a felony right, right? then they go, well, you know what we're not even going to do felonies we're not going to do e-felonies you're going to de- you're going to give everybody a desk appearance ticket in the precinct anything e-felony and below right forcible touching and below yeah you, you go and you grab somebody's vagina or their or their butts or, or their breasts or their penis you're gonna get a desk appearance ticket okay. at, at, at at the precinct, okay? So so now that starts. So now the majority. So of your, so so you're saying that bail should be set on people that have allegations against them. We'll we'll, we'll go to the bail in a second because okay. I think the bail is a whole other segment that I'm gonna have to come back for another day. <laughs> uh, so and 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 I know that my perception is skewed because I've been where I've been for 14 years, but also. For 34 years, I've been a person, a brown man or a black man. Yeah, that was yours. Um, So, you know what I mean? Terrific cigar. I'm telling you, Kane. I don't mean, you know, they should probably send a check if you're going to put the names out. (laughs) But uh, they're a good cigar. So, so, uh, 
the arrests are down, and and we blame uh, the the district attorney's office because they started to decline and defer prosecution all over the place. Shoot, they were the deferring shootings. Shoot, yo, somebody sh shoots fires and shoots their firearm into a crowd. They're deferring that. They're saying, oh, come come back in three months. Come back in six months. Okay, so and and you know, but 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 when you say come back in six months, like. My understanding is that people that are involved in violent acts, especially when there's an order of protection that needs to be filed, they're having arraignments for those types of cases. So they're not seeing a judge. Not necessarily. So for most violent cases, so there are arraignments. If there is, it may be virtual, but, it, but there's there arraignments. If there is an order of protection, that's one of the caveats. There's like there's like three exceptions to why you would not you would get a ticket from the precinct. Don't don't call it uh, arraignment. Let, let let's use layman's terms. A ticket from the precinct, right? You no, 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 you no, no. But arraignment, arraignment is when you have to go in front of a judge, right. whether it's virtually or, or, right. or not, and then a the ticket, judge. It's the same from the priest. A ticket from the precinct. No, 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 thing. no. But a desk appearance ticket. There's no bail involved in that. You come back another day. If you go to court for an arraignment, the judge decides whether to set bail or not. Wait a minute. Bail is another conversation because well, I, I know, judges can't send between. bail on anything anymore. They don't. They don't have discretion. That's, on bail a, that's an exaggeration. They okay, do. they don't have discretion on, on setting bail. They don't have discretion on certain cases. On violent cases, they can set bail. Okay, uh, that's incorrect. They can set bail on a number of things. Like what? Right, but they cannot set bail on anything else. Right, so oh, they so, can. So, uh, but so like, I don't know what you're saying. Like, so an example. Murder, you can you may set bail on a murder charge. Rape, you may set bail on a rape charge. Right. Burglary, you may not set bail on a burglary charge. Grand larceny, you may grand not. Larceny right. but, but you're saying may not. But you're saying. But before you said that they do not set bail on those cases. No, I'm sorry. They, you do not set bail on burglaries, grand larcenies, grand larceny autos. Any misdemeanors, they are, they do not set bail. On misdemeanors, those. most misdemeanors are not being set bail. I agree with you. I don't know a single misdemeanor that you can set bail on. Well, depending if a person is a predicate or you know has a, a prior history or a person that has, um, you know, because the purpose the of bail. The protection thing is the only thing that. that no, no, makes but like, but like the you know, the purpose of bail is to ensure that someone comes back to court. So, and so if a person has a history of not returning to court when they're required to, then they set bail. So you That's know, not true, Charlie. I've been in court, man. Like I've I've had clients. Like as a defense attorney, I'm telling you right now, so, there's it's not only I know I know this is what's being fed to the police department that oh no, everyone no, is being let go. We, no, I no, sit I no. sit in court for these things. Okay, okay, but I'm telling you right now, the law. Whether you sit in court where, where where judges are just letting everyone go, that's one thing. But the law is that most misdemeanors that are nonviolent, you know, judges. You know, typically don't have uh, discretion to set bail, but in violent, um, in, in violent cases, yes, the Charlie, judge does have discretion. If I punch Charlie in the face, assault three misdemeanors. Assault three probably well, violent, right? Because I punched you in the face. The, well, yeah, but assault three in the misdemeanor is a physical injury, which is not a, a serious injury. Okay, I punch you in the face. Okay, so I so, so I should I be sent to Rikers because you punched me in the no, face. No, we're not we're not having the bail conversation. Okay, we're only talking about who's let who's going to the who's getting a ticket at the precinct, and who's not who's going to arraignment. But but what I'm saying is this: if you have a history of punching people in the face, the judge is going to consider that, and possibly set bail. I, 
You, if you want me to give you that, I will give you that. I, There's the, a nuance, the, brother. The, the, the biggest nuance is, what is history? I've punched two people in the face before in two separate occasions. No, or, or he respects uh, the court's instructions enough to return to court. Okay, so they take into account, on the things that they can, right. they take into account your history, which I know for a fact that's not the case, but I'm going to give it to you because oh I have a bigger God, point. Bro. No, the, the, the fact of the matter is, now, is CJA that... Is an in the, what, CJA, Criminal Justice Agency, is an independent agency, and they give recommendations as to whether a person should be released on his own recognizance. And one right. of the things that they look at is whether a person has uh, either pending cases or, or convictions in the past. That's and, true that and the look judge looks that. and the judge looks at that recommendation. Yes. Right. So it's not it's okay, not just but there are things that regardless of what your history is and regardless of, of uh how many times you've missed court dates, you're still gonna get a ticket at the precinct, which is what my point is. That's my point. Right, but you're it's not, not even all gonna cases. make it. It's not all cases. No, it's all misdemeanors and e felonies. That, that that's what I'm saying. Listen, it's beyond you and me. I, this isn't a you right, I'm wrong. This is what it is. It's it's I believe it's wrong because nobody asked the police department. The but, but, main also, but also, brother Blake, we, we haven't gotten the prison systems in check when it comes to COVID. I agree. So are you gonna oh, put we, someone well, oh, listen, it could look, be a death sentence in the prison just because listen, let's do another one of these about about prison systems and and probation and parole, which I know you did one with the right, doctor so, right, on the so last one. One we got bail and another one on the prison system. Yeah, yeah. Well okay. let's do, we can we can merge those. It'll be like a sub Just come through one. for five hours, man. Oh, yeah, I'll come, I will sleep over. <laughs> you got to get two cigars. You got to get two cigars. I'll sleep over. So so anyways, let, let me go back to where I was before. I ended the conversation about anti-crime. Mm -hmm. I said the anti-crime is needed to keep violence down right. because of their aggressive tactics to get gun, illegal guns off the streets. Not illegal tactics, aggressive tactics to get guns off the streets. Now, what does that mean? It means... You may not like it, but you will understand. Oh, by the way, oh, I understand what's happening here. Which, which Charlie, listen to me. I, everybody that I dealt with in the Bronx, right? I was in the Bronx up until April of last year. Every single person I stopped at the end of my interaction, I went through your car, I moved your baby with the baby seat, I took it out, I searched the car. At the end of those interactions, you know, you know what was said? All right, officer, thank you very much. Be safe. All right, brother, take care. Be good. Have a good... Yo, can you believe that? Now, I can't, I'm not saying one guy. I am saying you all my interactions... How did you, how did you approach him? Yeah, you know how I approached him? The way somebody would approach Jeffrey Delamota. And, and you know what? And my question to you is, are most officers approaching people the way you approach people? I don't think so. All right, then. That's the problem, brother. I agree with you. That's the problem. But the thing is that... You're, the problem you're, you're is judging, crime. You're, you're judging this based on like how you work. No, 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 no. I'm no, no. I ag I am agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying that the problem isn't that anti-crime was out there doing aggressive work. I'm just saying that the anti-crime cops that you have, the, listen, it is what it is. The majority of the anti-crime cops were either Staten Island guys or Warwick guys or this guy. And by the way, doesn't mean that those Warwick guys didn't know how to speak to people. Right. Yo, I know phenomenal guys that were. Great, right. great cops from that have never been in the city. They were great anti-crime cops, but the problem is this: those were one or two off. That's that's what I'm saying. The problem wasn't anti-crime. The problem goes back to my the beginning problem that I said: you're hiring people that have no dog in the fight. Right. That have, come on, who do who do I call when I have an issue? No, you call me. I call you when I have any legal. Yo, my aunt, family member. Friend, called Charlie. Uh, Charlie, yeah, help me out. Surge, but this now we're again. 
you're you're talking from a place of, from a place of privilege. You're talking from a place of exposure. You're talking. You have a college education. You're one of the smartest brothers Ooh, I know. The college education. Too. You have a college education, brother. Like, come on, man. Like, can you say most cops have that? Very good. All right. So, and, and not, maybe, and maybe they not, do. But I'm please not, inform no, no, me. Because my gonna, understanding is. I'm telling you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do the Donald Trump. What does Donald Trump love to do? Everybody loves me. I spoke to 10 people. They all love me. Right, right. I ain't doing that. Right. I'm not giving you most cops. I, I can give you most cops that I know. That I can give you, but I ain't giving you most cops. It's By the just, way, college education does not indicate that you that you would be a better person. Uh, ooh, you know, let me let me get you. you know, it just it just shows <laughs> what I, what I'm trying to you know because you know that's a very elitist statement on my part. Mm. Oh, just because you're college educated, you know, you know how to move, you know, and and you know maybe your experiences and your and your upbringing and your exposure, yeah. you know, puts you in a place where you're not making assumptions this that is, cost people's lives this or is, this is loss of rights. This is multi pronged. It's not just college education that's going to make you a good cop. It's not just exposure to uh, black and brown people that's going to make you a cop. It's the combination of it. Right. One thing alone is not going to make you a good cop. Now, let me go further. I'm going to expose myself a little bit more here. Not only do I have a college education, right? I was a political science major. I have a master's degree from Seton Hall University. That's right. Talk your shit. Talk your shit. And I've been, I've been, I don't know how many we've been at together, how many of these panels we've been at together, but I go to schools on my own. I I talk this pro-brown talk everywhere I I go. I've witnessed it. it. I've witnessed it. I respect it. So, So even with that, with the college education and the 14 years as a police officer and all these exposures, I still have 14 different civilian complaints against me. Mm. That's yeah. crazy, right? So so, so, what does that mean, right? And by the way, I, I somebody sent me that the other day because they just uh, put out all the civilian complaints. If you've had one that's right. been... Uh, uh, what do you think about that policy? I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 think, uh, I think it's like... It's, it's, there's a double standard there, right? When I tell, if I tell you, when you go to a judge and you tell the judge, hey, my, my client got ar- arrested for assaulting somebody, right? You, and the district attorney's office tries to bring up their history. The, you tell the judge, what does that have to do with right now? Right? Let's look at this incident as, mm-hmm. as what it is. Right? That's what, that's what every defense attorney does. Let's deal with this incident as we're dealing with it. So what happens with a cop like me? Now I go for my 15th incident. By the way, in 15 years and over 500 arrests, and God knows how many stop, question, and frisk right. and summonses I've done. You know, like what what does that mean? You're gonna you're gonna bring up the 14 that filed complaints, which by the way, which I was gonna say is the majority of them were were from male whites. Mm. Oh, let's talk about that. Yo, let's talk about who is filing complaints against cops. Right. You know, there's yeah. You know what? So so and and so to to find to go finish that college education. Internally, we did an audit. Mm. NYPD did an audit. They do this every so often because I, the argument that Patty Lynch makes is if you agreeing with Charlie Vargas, right. if you have a college education, the higher the education, you should have stipends to pay you more to encourage higher education. Right. Would you agree? Of higher, better educated cops is better for the community. I completely disagree. I don't think that's what the community needs. I think the community needs cops that have pre-exposure to to people, to black and brown people. 
I got, I got to, uh, I got to stop, you know, myself from saying people of color. So, so you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what we need. We don't need you to have a master's or a doctorate. You know what I mean? You can have a, a master. You could be a CPA. What does that have to do with, with policing the Bronx or Brownsville? I mean, I think, I think there's certain classes. I think, I think there's certain classes that can help you become a better police officer. You're, you're right. But if Whether I'm a CPA, what does that have to do with anything? If I have a business degree. Is that going to make me better cult, more more culturally aware? But you don't think there's general studies courses, you know, intro courses that you have to take that, you know, my understanding is that education is supposed to, for the most part, attempt to provide you a well-rounded education. Yeah, like that. Up. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. I, right. I so, so, you I know, agree. there were many courses that, that, but, that but you yes. took that didn't have to do with your major. You went, you know, you went away for school. I went away for school. You know, we we change as a result of going away to school. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. change as a result of like being around other people from different races, different classes. You know, and and uh, I agree. And also, it it allows you to like listen to different opinions and different. You know, it's exposure. It's, it's exposure. much needed exposure to the rest of the world outside of your little town. Listen, I didn't have any exposure outside of Washington Heights and the Dominican Republic when I came here, and when I got to college, all I knew was either DR or Washington Heights. Right. That's all I knew. Right. I didn't know white people when I got to college. That's where I started meeting college, at the age of 17, 16. You know what I mean? And even the white people in college are not the same as the white people that I met in the NYPD. Completely different. So exposure, yeah, but guess what? The studies that they did in the NYPD, and they do this every so often, is that there is no correlation between higher education and less civilian complaints. And I'm an example of it. You have somebody with a master's degree with 14 civilian complaints in 15 years. 14 is a lot. But, you know, going back to, like, the argument of why Latinx is important, shouldn't we study the nuance or shouldn't we take into consideration the fact that you're educated but you're also a black officer? I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Who's fighting this complaint? Right, so, so, so my thing, <laughs> so, so my question is, is it is it that that's possibly skewed because? Um, all right, so you're saying this is a general like education does not um, make officers less prone to like having civilian reports filed against them. That's what correct, you're saying. Correct. Okay. And the reason why I say that is because of this, and this is what the NYPD failed to do. They didn't look at who was filing the complaints. 14, right, complaints. Out of those 14, 13 of them were in the Lower East Side. Mm, okay, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, yeah why, like, why are you messing up with my... Like, I have somewhere there is, to go. I don't know if I have somewhere heard. to go and you're, and you're I don't know if you've heard of this. It's this thing called white privilege. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it exists. What is it? I've never, <laughs> this is the first time that, I heard it. That's course, what I mean. Brother. And listen, I'm not trying to be a victim here. Right. I am not. I'm not saying look at me, poor me. That's not what I'm doing here. I, I owned every single complaint that I had. I, I fought them, and I've only been ex- uh, found guilty of one. That that's You know what I mean? And I fought it through and through. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that I'm the victim here. I'm just saying, like... Bro, we're going to go from poor groups. you. We're going to go from poor you to poor you a drink. <laughs> that poor, poor me a drink. drink. Right, right, right. Exactly. That drink is, you're good? Uh, I'm good, but good, you want to turn again? You want to turn again? Let me to incriminate myself here. <laughs> You've been working really hard. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we, you know, we spoke about arrest being down. I think you understand now right. that it's not just it's complicated. It's not just that cops are not going out there and putting cuffs on people. Right. Is that happening? Yo, absolutely, one hundred percent. I wouldn't go out there and just start locking people up. If I saw somebody smoking crack in the corner last year, I would have arrested that guy, brought him in, locked him up, give him a desk appearance ticket, have him. When he goes to the to the judge, the judge will be like, "You got to go to this program." That's how that works, right? If I see that same guy smoking crack today, why would I lock him up? If that guy decides to turn around and 
fight with me or resist arrest and I land on his chest, which is what every 100% of the police department is saying. Right. If I go arrest this guy and we fall on top of him, now I may get arrested. Why would I put myself why would I put myself out there like that to keep this community safe? Right. Like that's what that equates to. And that's the problem with this this uh, I forget what they call this new ban, the, the new law. Don't call it a choco bill because that's not what it is. But the, the new law where it's saying that if, a, if an officer puts any type of pressure, whether intentional or... To cut uh, someone's breath. Sick, that, that may or may not hinder their breathing, right. that officer will be charged with uh, assault, tool, strangulation, whatever. It right, so that was a law that did not exist um, during the times of Eric Garner. That's correct, it did not. Right, which, which had a, a major effect as to why the officer in that case did not get indicted. Uh, 100%. Right, exactly. 100%. So, so you know, I do think that, the, that police officers are also caught in the middle between legislation, you know, that is that can be pro-police and that can give you too much, and that, you know, a bystander can look at what you're doing and say, wow, he totally killed this guy, yep. but according to your police patrol manual, it says that you can actually do that. And, and, and that's that you, that you can do what that you know there was a specific chokehold I think you and I we've had our argument about it where the way um, the officer that that choked Eric Garner was acting you know we saw it as the public and said wow this guy literally just killed this guy but you know some officers were saying that well that chokehold is legal for us to so, use so it's not a, it's not a chokehold right and I think uh, or a stranglehold crazy or, uh, you know he he explained it best. And he explained, he broke down what a chokehold is versus what a restraint, an arm restraint, a neck restraint is, right? So, and and you know, we can we can talk about Eric Gardner. I think it's easier to have the conversation today than it was last year, than it was the year before, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and I've I've had the conversation with Al Sharpton, you know, and, and and it's interesting to hear his perspective. But you know that you got to remember this, right? You saw you. I'm I'm 100 sure you show the video. Right. Who hasn't so, seen the video? So you you know you see him fall. You Horrible. see him saying, "I can't breathe. I can't breathe." Right. It's terrible. You for know, you're, for you're cigarettes, looking at, you're looking at somebody's last breaths as they're screaming, "They can't breathe." Right. You know he's coughed. He's still screaming. He can't breathe. Up until the ambulance gets there, he's still screaming. He's he on the floor breathe. and he's still getting choked. Yeah. What? No, 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 no. I'm talking about when he's when is his handcuffed. Everybody stands up. He's still screaming. He can't breathe. You know. Uh, yeah. The the the. The maneuver goes on until he's on the floor and cuffed. Then once he's cuffed, everybody stands up. You know, then he's still screaming, I can't breathe. Right. The ambulance gets there. You know, the, 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 the female EMS, she puts her hand on his shoulder and gets on one knee and says something to him. He's saying he can't breathe. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, training says if you can speak, you can breathe. Because what breathing is, is air traveling back and forth from your, uh, what is that, the larynx? I'm not, I'm not the, the medical expert. But what makes your vocal cords move... Question, the question is whether a medical expert was consulted before making that law or that, you know, that, that police regulation, if you will. Because... That's a, that's a phenomenal question. Right. And, and that's the problem here. We have a lot of one-sidedness. Maybe there wasn't. But guess what? The, the NYPD wasn't consulted about any of this new stuff about uh, bail reform. The NYPD wasn't consulted about... Uh, COVID releases, right. the NYPD hasn't been consulted about this new ban on pressure on the diaphragm. So there is a lot of one-sidedness, and we, you and I, the non-politicians, we're stuck in the middle of the whole thing. Right. Cops are put, and I'm not even going to say it, because I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to victimize. NYPD. No, but like, it's true what you're saying. Like, like you know, you're, you're, you're working within the bounds of the law that was given to you. 
and you're stuck in a situation where you may fear for your life. Yeah. So, so therefore, you're going to do whatever you need to do under the bounds of the law. Forget fearing from your whole life. And this is something that I want to hear your thoughts on. Within the right? bounds of the law, yeah. Within, within right. So, so and, and I want to hear, and I want to hear this from you, right? I think that the majority of this, you know, where, where people misconstrue the actions of a police officer is this. Cop approaches individual, law is broken, cop must make an arrest. The fear from the cop is, if I don't make this arrest, I'm going to get in trouble for failure to take police action, right? right? So now this guy says, I'm not going, right? What if the NYPD, which by the way, I'm surprised that we're not there yet. But what if the NYPD, every time we show up, somebody says, I'm not going. And we're just turn around and go home. So, so there's a there's a couple of things with that, right? I think um, if if an arrest doesn't have to be made, I think that's one. I don't think you know, and that's where my position is. And you know, you know, you and I, we've gone back on that when it comes to defunding the police. I don't feel that police officers should be working um, on those specific types of cases. I think there are other officers or other um, agencies or you know. You know agencies that can be built from the from the bottom, from the bottom up to to actually take care of those situations, um, where there can be possibly a fine, but an arrest does not have to happen. You know there there could be consequences to him financially, where if he's given the fine, he doesn't pay the fine, um, and uh, he he's seen having cigarettes. Um, then you know there can be a judgment against him. He can't take well, out a credit uh, uh, card. You know, there's there's others. Eric Garner is a, others is a, Eric Garner is a bad example. Right, but way. but what I'm saying but, is that officers should not be, bro. Like they just said, how many officers? They sent a SWAT team to get this protester the other day in Manhattan. No, that's not with, that's incorrect. Let me let me clean that up for you, bro. So so let hold me clean up. It up for you. All right, so whoa, 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 whoa. So so what was her name? Um, it was a no, no. It was a it was a it was a black male in in yeah. Manhattan around Midtown. And um, he was accused of blowing a, a, a blowhorn, of speaking a blowhorn into a sergeant's ear, right? And blow, blowing out their uh, eardrum or something like that. Okay, yeah. well, I didn't read that, but yeah. you know that's a good thing to know, right? But they go to his residence with right. a SWAT team. No, 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 it's not a SWAT team. What was it? It's just a regular warrant okay, squad. Okay, a regular warrant squad. Was there a helicopter involved? A hundred. Okay. I gotta tell you the story. Okay, okay, there's a helicopter involved and there were dogs, right? There were. And there was a SWAT team involved. Oh, so there was a SWAT team. Of can I get okay. the story? Yeah, but my last question is, was there a warrant? So you ready? There was not a warrant. Okay, all right. Now now can I go? Yes. So this guy, he blows his, his uh bullhorn on this uh officer's ear, blows out their eardrum, this guy's gotta go get checked out, he's like having uh difficulty hearing. The crime is Assault 2. Assault 2, yeah, because that's like, it it could be a serious physical injury. Regardless, it's against a police officer. I didn't know know her eardrum was busted. Like, they didn't report that. But regardless, it's it's assault 2 against a police officer during the course of his duty, so it's an assault 2. It's a felony assault, right? They develop uh, probable cause. So, probable cause I card was dropped with this guy's name. So, the unit that goes after probable cause I cards goes into his residence, right? So, now, they're talking to him. He doesn't want to come out. So what do they do? They say, hey, we have a barricaded person inside of the apartment that doesn't want to come out. Right. Whenever you have a barricaded anything, barricaded emotionally disturbed person, barricaded prisoner, barricaded, you know, anything, you call in 
emergency service unit, which you, you refer to as the SWAT team. Right. So that's what ends up happening, right? Then the judgment call is made between the chief of detectives, Rodney Harrison, the first black chief of detectives, the police commissioner, those executives make a decision where they say, here's where we're going to go with that. And they decided, hey, you know what? He said he's going to come in with his lawyer tomorrow. Let him go. And guess what? He came in this morning. Right, and he surrendered. With, with, his, with his attorney. Right. But... Nothing that was done there was out of play. Well, no, I will say this. The mayor say. said that it was poorly executed, but that an arrest was warranted. So, 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 and here's what you got to take from that, right? And, and we're going to talk about de Blasio. Uh, we talk <laughs> first about of Blasio. all, I think you and I would agree a lot on de Blasio because I don't know where he stands. We would agree and nine we would times out of ten. <laughs> we would agree on most, but we would disagree on some. And by the way, the, the, the black male protester, the black lives uh, organizer, his name was Derek Ingram, and he was 18 years old. Derek Ingram. I'm sorry, right. he wasn't 18 years no, old. That was the older. other one. He's old. Yeah, yeah, that was the other one. Nikki Stone, the one that was snatched up in the van, the, the transgendered woman. Correct, yeah. She was oh, no, 18 no, no, years I know, old. I know Nikki Stone very well. <laughs> Nikki Stone doesn't go by Nikki Stone anymore. I okay, think all right. Nikki Stone is going by something else. All right, all right, all right, all right. I think Cherry uh, something. I can't remember now. Okay. Right. But she changed her name since then? I don't know. So, so but, but anyways, you know, what, what happened there is this. And listen, now you got to say, oh, we got a black man in there. And he was part of the decision-making process when it came down to what are we going to do? Are we going to break this guy's do door down mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or, or are we going to let him come in tomorrow? And by the way, this happens all the freaking time. Oh, you have walked into mm -hmm. precincts with, 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 with people. Of course. Uh, yo, this happens all the time. But the, the people love sensationalizing things and making them what they're not. So I, I, I want to say this, and I was holding it to the end. I don't know when our end is. But before, actually, before I go, I want to talk about the defund the police. Let me get you some pajamas. You're going to sleep here. <laughs> so, so let me go to the defund the police, which you touched on briefly. When, when the term was first, when the phrase was first uttered post-COVID, right. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm with that. Yo, put me on that committee. I'll do it for free. Mm. I'll come in on my own time. I'll right. come in on Sundays. Right. Yo, I'll do it for the whole day for free. Right? But guess what happened? That was it was it was just defund the police. It wasn't defund the police to fund SYEP. It wasn't defund the police to fund the Board of Ed. It wasn't to do, to fund anything. It was just defund them to defund them, right? So now I'm like, ah, uh, here we go. This this is kind of how I felt about uh, Donald Trump when he first announced that he was running for president. Yo, why did I like Donald Trump when he first said he was announcing for president? He started motherfucking everybody. I said, yeah, man, I like this guy. And then the next day he said, build the wall. And I was like, all right, hold on a second. Now, now I got to take back all my thoughts and feelings. Right. So this is exactly what happened with defund the police. Right. You talk about defund the police, defund the police, just take money out. You know what you're building when you talk about defund the police? You are building a police state. Here's why. And, 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 and listen, I, I, this isn't a pointing fingers. You're wrong. You're wrong. But but here's here's what happens, right? No, no, people, I want to hear your people your like to say the cops should have no business in fill in the blank. The cops should have no business in evictions, homeless revenue um, generating, revenue, like like the tax uh, cigarettes. Right. You know all these other things. The cops should have no business in schools. The cop. Here's why that is wrong. You are taken away. Right. The, N the NCO, the Neighborhood Coordinating Officer, that is your um, Swiss Army knife 
of a police officer. This guy can do it all. Any problems you're having in your neighborhood, you call your NCO, and your NCO will answer his cell phone and meet up with you and deal with... I'm sorry, what's an NCO? A neighborhood coordination officer. Okay. There are two assigned in every sector. Each precinct is broken up into four or five sectors, and there are two, male and, you know, male and female, male male, female female. There are two officers assigned to each sector. Those guys work odd hours, even, you know, whatever hours they need to work so that they can address individual complaints. What's better than saying, shoot, I'm about to be evicted? I'm going to call my NCO and see what we could do about this. Oh, I don't, I don't know the number to housing. I don't know the number to my councilman. I don't know my number. Let me call the NCO. This was New York City pre-COVID. Uh, it's still the case now, but we're not even talking about that anymore. Up until from 2006. 15, up until now, this started under Bill Bratton through uh, Shea, to, through O'Neill into Shea. The neighborhood coordination officer was the guy that you'd call, the guy or girl you called. Right. Sorry, the guy or the lady you yeah, called. Yeah. Uh, you called regardless, right? So, and this, this is my thing. This is where I feel like, yo, people should be standing up and saying, not in our city, mm. right? The neighborhood coordination officer was, was the, the problem solver. You call them, if, and, and the majority of these, they held what's called like a little town hall called uh, Build the Block Meetings. And at these Build the Block Meetings, people would show up and say, hey, this is the problem that I have at uh, 40 Dayer. I have people smoking in the lobby. Hey, this is the problem I have at 195 Nagel Avenue. People are pissing in the, in the stairwell. So the neighborhood coordination officers would do things to address those issues. I'm going to give you an example. I lived at Fordham, Fordham and Sedgwick. And the biggest problem on Fordham, on Fordham and Cedric is the park. And people, there's like seven block parties going on inside the park. Twelve speakers with different music. And that, the problem isn't the music because people got to party. They got to celebrate birthdays and baby showers and, and kids being born. But you don't have to do that until five in the morning when I got to work the next day. That's not fair. You could do it, but do it to a prudent time. Right. So the neighborhood coordination offices, what did they do? Warn people. Flies were handed out. And then after that, uh, gates were built and locks were put on the park at a certain hour. And guess what? They started kicking people out at 10 p.m. And at midnight, they closed the park. Now everybody gets a little bit of something. You can't fall asleep until midnight, regardless of what time you got to work tomorrow. You can only party until midnight, regardless of what time you got here. That's a, that's, that is what the neighborhood coordination officers were doing. They were building the happy medium in New York City, man. Like, And, and, and I hate being the rah-rah pro-police guy because I know that if I get hurt today or if, I, if something happens and I got to leave the police department, there'll be another guy doing my job tomorrow. I'm not a Kool-Aid drinker, but I do know this. Those guys were solving freaking problems. Right. Well, you know, and, and but the thing is, you know, that's what we need to invest more in. But, you know, when we talk about investing more in the police department, historically, it has been to militarize the police department. It's not to provide those kind of services. I, let, let me agree with you and disagree with you at the same time. Right. Because you're right that we militarize the police department because, well, let me get into the de Blasio talk, right? <clears throat> Here's what de Blasio did. De Blasio got to where he's at. He became elected because he showcased his black children and his black wife, right? right? He showed everybody, look at my curly-haired Afro son, Look at my uh, my daughter. She has substance abuse issues. Look at my wife. She's black. She has she's pro marijuana and right. all these other things. And 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 the police aren't fair. 
police are fair, police are fair, police are fair. I'll tell my my son, he better watch out when he's approached by cops. First day, first order of business, blind check to the NYPD. Three of them. Number one, hire as many mother effers as you want. Number two, get whatever technology you want. Phones for everybody, bulletproof doors, bulletproof vests for everybody. Right? And number three, create as many units as you want. Create them all. Do whatever you got to do to fight crime. He did that. And voila, crime is down. But the problem here is this. People don't care whether crime is up or down. They want to be treated fairly. And apparently, it's impossible to do both. I say that very sarcastically. You know what I mean? So, so de Blasio did that for the NYPD. Right. He gave the NYPD so much God damn money. I think the budget, the quarterly, the uh, uh, biannual budget of $4 billion every year. $4 billion bucks. $4 billion. It, it fluctuated between $4.4 billion and $4.5, $4.2. You know, it went up and down. That's what we've been getting, right? So now this defund the police thing comes up. Now we have to get rid of units like the homeless outreach unit. Again, you know, these are uh, these are programs that are necessary, right? What we're saying is obviously it's not working or, or, or maybe it is working, but not to the extent where um, there is expertise in that field. So, so, that's so, what so, you so, so that's what the, the people are questioning is whether the police departments have the expertise of to take care of these issues of these issues in a very holistic so, way. So let me let me put it to you like this, and it's gonna come in the form of a question, Charlie. You've you've been around a long time, bro. I hold remember. On, I remember. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, I, yeah, we're you're older than we're me. Relatively big young. Guy. We're relatively you young. You are older than me. You've been around a long time, Charlie. I remember when you guys, you and your moms, you guys used to do the black party. Right. And I remember, like, yo, I remember I couldn't make it one summer, and I cried. And I'm like a freaking teenager. I'm like, damn, how am I not going to make it? I'm fucking pissed off. You know, you, you've been about this community business a long time. You're very well educated, right? So now, let, let me ask you this question, right? In the last, <clears throat> when was Eric Gardner? 2014? 2013? I can't, I can't remember the exact year. Yeah, I can't but remember. But it was 2013, 2014, right? After Eric Gardner... There was another incident where was it was a massive stain on the NYPD, and there was discourse, there was disagreement. Some people thought we the, NY, the officer acted right. Some people thought the officer acted wrong. That second incident was Deborah Danner. She was the female, 62-year-old black woman who was in her home. She's emotionally disturbed. Right. She menaced the cops with a pair of scissors, put the scissors down, menaced the cops with a bat, and when she came at them with the bat, the one sergeant shot her twice right. in her apartment. There's a lot of discourse on that. There's a lot of, uh, you know, back and forth about the sergeant that is uh, that, that fires shots, right? Now, let's talk about... Let's talk about since then, and that was 2015. Since then, when can you say has been the, the 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 following stain on the NYPD. So I'm going to go I'm going to go to 2006. 2006 the stain was Sean Bell shot 40 something times. And we can dispute that. 50 times. 50 times? Right. Well, how many times well, anyways, he was shot 50 times. And, and by the way, the the law is now from my understanding is that you are not allowed to shoot at moving vehicles. Would you know if that's correct? That's my understanding. That you are not allowed to shoot at moving, moving vehicles that do not 
pose a threat, a threat to your of life. serious physical injury right. or death to yourself or anybody else. That's the law. That's the, yeah. That's the procedure, which has always been the case. Which has always been the case, but, you know. But now they put that one specific caveat to appease everybody that thinks that that wasn't the case. Right. You know what I mean? That's always been, you can't just shoot at cars because, the you know, the guy's driving away. Like, what is wrong with you? I mean, police officers shoot at people running away. Charlie, there's been, uh, we're not, uh, yeah, yeah. they're running away is, is you, 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 you know where that's going to go. You can run away and still cause deadly physical force at people. If you're if you're running away with your back towards towards the officer and you're not posing a, a harm to anyone else. And, and, oh, oh, if you're not posing a harm to anybody, it don't matter where your back is. Right. So so you know, I, I think we can agree that there has been situations that have been publicized over the years of officers not in this state. Oh yeah. But in other, but in other we states. We can agree on that. Okay, but you have to understand that people And are, even in the NYPD, yo, we had one in the NYPD. Right, right. I listen, I I am fortunate enough to be on this side and look at them. We had one where the guy was driving away and the cop is letting off rounds at the car as the cars are crashing into people into cars and the officer said, "Well, I thought he was going to crash into somebody." Right. Well, you thought shit was sweet and you ate it. Yeah. Nah. You know, there's nobody else in the street. You know what I mean? So, so, I, right. listen, the NYPD... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean to divert you from your point. What was your What was your point before? Uh, I wrote it down. Hold on. Uh, we talked about defunding... I do have a question because, because you brought up before, you know, like defunding the police as far as, like, officers... Uh, that was my point. You know, like, you know, officers, you know, with the Eric Garner case or officers doing traffic stops. Do you think that there is a conflict of interest when the city uses the police department revenue-generating entity. Yeah. Do you think there is a conflict of interest? I think there is. Because that goes in line with quota systems, right? I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. No, no, forget quotas. It's 2020, man. Like, agency, uh, unions rule. There's nobody telling cops, you got to go out there and... Well, well, like, like, like how you measure, I don't want to be but, but, but you said, like, okay, so you said that this was when you were in anti-crime, but, like, now, like, how do you measure if a police officer is doing their job if they're not arresting people? Very good question. Here's how you measure it. You look at the complaints, and you tell the cop, how are you addressing these complaints? If there are 50 311 and 911 calls in this building of marijuana smoking, the question is, officer, what have you done in that building? I'm not asking you how many summonses or arrests you've written, but if you haven't been in that building, or you've only been there once in 30 days, you fucked up, Aaron. Okay, so so whether a police officer is following up and closing cases or making arrests, either way, but not only just making arrests. Yo, we no, you don't have to make arrests anymore. It's too, since Bill Bratton, he, Bill Bratton said it, and the, yo, the guy's a he's a G, he's a freaking G. The guy is a freaking G. He's like, yo, we don't want you arresting people. You got discretion. Do what you got to do. You don't have to arrest people. You don't have to issue them summonses. But we want you to go in there and address the situation. Address it however you got to address it. Neighborhood coordination offices, this is what they do. They go into a building. They see a whole bunch of people smoking weed. Hey, guys, listen, we got a lot of complaints here. I'm going to be back here at random. If I catch other people here in another time, just let them know we're here. You got to go somewhere else. You got to go, go smoke somewhere else or, or don't or go in your own house, right. but you can't do it here anymore. How much of that do you think was a response to or there was any effect to uh, the documentary uh, that was produced? Uh, Edmund, Edwin Kelly, uh, I think he was an officer, Lieutenant Edwin Kelly, uh, Black Brother. With oh, my God. When yeah. he was talking about quotas, yeah, how me, much of, how much of that breathe. was a response? Let me speak freely about that guy. 
Uh, he's a lieutenant or something like that. Um, I I think that dude is a disgrace. A mm. disgrace to the black culture. You know why? He's a tr He was a transit cop. Transit. You know what that means, Charlie? Your only job is to go over there and watch this train station. Go over there and watch this train station and this train line. I'm not minimizing what they do. Right? They, they, they have a very important job. You got to keep the train systems safe. My parents, my mom used to take the train. My sister used to take the train. My brother takes the train. Yo, keep those lines safe. This dude, so so when they so here's here we go back to it. Complaints are being made by the MCA. People are over here jumping the turnstile. They're over here pissing in the trains. They're over here making graffiti in this train style, right. train station. They send him there for a month. He does nothing. They're like, yo, where have you? What have you done? What's going on? You haven't done? Well, I don't feel like I want to. My people and this and that. Big guy, it ain't about your people. Go in there and address people that are doing something wrong. Address it. I'm nobody saying, yo, and the problem here was this. They, they told them, you either got to make arrest or issue summonses because talking to people clear ain't, clearly ain't working. The complaints are prevalent. You have to do something about it. This, and by the way, transit, when back in the numbers day, they have the lowest quota, quote unquote. They have the lowest activity that they had to issue. Right? You got to write summonses because you're a transit guy. Like, you can't expect me, a patrol guy, to go into transit. I'm busy up here. You're the transit guy. You should be writing transit summonses. Can we agree that people jump the turnstile, whether it be because they have no money or because they just feel like they don't want to pay? I jumped the turnstile. I, well, when you were younger. Right? I, yeah, I, got, I, could, I could ride the train for free, yeah. But when I was younger, I remember jumping. I remember the last time I did it. Dagman. And, uh, and, and Nago, I jumped the turnstile. There's these four cops. They come up to me. Yo, you jumped the turnstile. Come over here. I'm like, oh, fuck. These guys in plain clothes. You know, the guys like, give me your name, your, your date of birth, and your address. I give him, I give him everything. He's like, you're, you're 14? <sighs> the guy goes, ah. Oh. All right, man. Just, 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 just jump. Don't jump the turnstile if we're here. We're sitting here. And I'm like, right. I jumped the turnstile to sit here because I'm waiting for somebody. The guy was like, look, man. I, I don't care. Just, you know, you, you see cops, don't jump the turnstile. Right. What do you, how do you think I look? If my supervisor right. comes here and I'm letting guys jump the turnstile. Right. You know, like, it was, it was, it was, it was not an adversary. I've had adversarial. Right. I, even now as a cop, I've had bad interactions with cops. But anyways, this guy, like, bro, you, you're, you're doing nothing all day. You're doing nothing all day. When they tell you to do something, you complain, and now you want to go to the New York Post and you want a documentary. You know what that is? A clout chaser. And if I meet that, meet that guy, I would tell him, congratulations, you played yourself. Right. You're a cloud chaser. But, all right, so whatever his situation is, but, but you do admit, right, that even when you were in anti-crime, that, that there was some pressure to, like, make arrests. There is. Oh, I'm sorry. There was pressure to make arrests. You know what? I never had this issue. You want me to help you with that? No, no, no. I'm good. All right. Um, there, there was pressure to make arrests. There was pressure to write summonses. There was pressure to do stop, question, and frisks. Right. All those pressures came from one place and one place only. City Hall. Right. So, but isn't that what he was talking to? Like that pressure to make, to stop and frisk, to, to, to make arrests? But nobody was asking him to stop and frisk. People were asking him, yo, people are committing violations and misdemeanors and felonies. Go in there and be a police officer and address it. 
And he was like, I, bro, what are you doing for eight hours and 35 minutes? Tell me. Yo, yo, tell me, Charlie. What do you want a cop to do? It's your dime, your taxes at work. What do you want him doing for eight hours and 35 minutes? Watching the homeless people piss all over the place? So so you're saying that there was evidence that people were uh, hopping the turnstile? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so who, who were making those complaints? Was it was it the people like the trans there were, there were MTA workers? Made. There okay. were complaints being made, regardless of whether it's the MTA making it. It doesn't matter who's making it. There's a complaint coming in through nine one one. Complaints coming in through three one one. Okay, so all right. So just to go back to my last question, as far as the structure is concerned, do you think there's a conflict of interest in uh, in the police off in the police department being a revenue generating entity for the city? Uh, I I believe there is conflict in turning cops into money generators, right? I never understood how money is made from arrest. Actually, 14 and a half, 15 years on, I, 14 years on, I still don't know how money is made from people being arrested. I don't know. Maybe you can explain that to me. Well, you know, not, not necessarily people being arrested. For example, there was one time I was driving um, in Brooklyn when I used to live in Brooklyn, and uh, there was a cop. You know, we were in a standstill traffic right and there was a cop that was literally bro hiding behind the pillar like this guy woke up that morning and said you know what i'm gonna hide on the opposite side of the pillar facing traffic so that i can be able to catch someone driving and looking on their phone okay you know like you know there's that kind of dude that that wakes up and does that right so he, he, he comes to me, he thought that I was looking at my cell phone, you know, I was actually uh, switching the radio station, and he comes to me and he, can, and he gives me a ticket, but he came out of nowhere, man, he could have came out to sewer for all I know, and this is what we're paying for? Why? That's a fucking phenomenal question. Why are you paying for that? Right, so, so, so you know, like, I, would, I would rather look, like, honestly, like, in defunding the police, right now, it's a, you know, my utopia is... A society that doesn't involve police. Is that practical? Probably not right now, right? But we need to, as visionaries, you know, I think you're a visionary and and I'm a visionary. Go ahead, John Lennon. No, 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 we're a visionary and we have to start making steps and designing the society that we want, right? When it comes to treating each other with respect, when it comes to educating the masses, when it comes to where we allocate our resources, you know, we have to start making decisions. And that that are, that align with that interest. And to my point with with the police officers, what was what was your question? Because you, you no, had I, just, a question. I just want to know how arrests are generating money. Oh no! So I'm talking about those types of arrests. You know where? I know, where, but that's summonses. Those are no, I know summonses I know, and that. Yeah, you know, yeah. summonses about 140 dollars. No, summonses. I know how. No, and, but generate. and also there's a lot of police violences that that are associated with summons giving police officers. No, no, no. I, I'm not. I get how that. Uh, you listen. There's still there's guys out there right now with COVID. Because it's almost around. like a quota situation where you know you have to like approach someone. Uh, bro, listen to me. I don't understand why would anybody in the right mind be out there writing summonses with this climate, with the political climate, with the social climate, with the freaking health climate. You're still out there writing summonses. But guess what? Somebody's got to do it. The reason why is because motor vehicle accidents are still happening, and so the way that the city hall wants to 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 tame, or what they believe is, if you write summonses for the why these car accidents are happening, then car accidents will eventually go down. Is there truth to that? 
Yeah, maybe, but nobody's looking into those studies. People are focusing on the wrong studies. Let me tell you something. New York City is not the place where you go criticize how the system works. It was at one time. It was up until, listen, there was a time I was an anti-crime cop, and I remember them telling me, let me tell you about the 9th Precinct, Alphabet City. It goes from the East River, Avenue D, Avenue C, Avenue B, Avenue A, 1st Avenue, 2nd Avenue, 3rd Avenue, 4th Avenue, up until Broadway. And uh, inside the 9th Precinct, we had uh, NYU, we had a ton of shelters, and we had the projects along Avenue D. And so the edict that came down was, if you want to write a marijuana summons, or if you want to make an arrest for uh, smoking marijuana, you got to go towards the projects. You know, that's where the violence, and I get it, right. that's where the violence was happening. That's where the robberies, that's where the, the people with warrants were at was the projects, not Columbia or NYU University. Right. But my thing is this, like, but they're violating the law too. I understand, and, 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 you know, maybe I was a little conflicted because part of me was like, I understand that the violence and the crime is happening closer to the projects, but it doesn't negate that the kids that are in, in Columbia University are also violating right. the law. But then on the other hand... Or like parking regulations. I feel like parking regulations tend to be more in certain communities than others. But, you know, maybe that deals with the district council member. That, that's sanitation. That's yeah. sanitation. They set the, the parking... They said it. We okay. enforce it. They enforce it. They they're the ones. Yeah. Right, but 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 the effect of that is that poor communities have to like, you know, they they suffer the brunt of like having to pay tickets. Yeah, but I don't I don't know that necessarily is the case anymore. Like everybody's doing all ten side of the street once a week now for the uh, most part. Listen, there's parts in the Bronx that are twice. There are yeah, but there's parts in Brooklyn that are twice, Queens that are twice. Like it like the commercial areas where you have heavy foot traffic and heavy vehicle traffic is still twice a week. Yeah. I mean, it, I, listen, no, I mean, no, you no. might be right. right I don't right, know. Right. I don't know enough about that. I, actually, I, I like, uh, parking's like the, the last thing in my, on right. my mind, you know. By the way, the majority, what I do today is I, I read through every single shooting and I brief uh, the chief of detectives and I create, you know, like, that's, that's my f main focus. Shootings, right. homicides. And, you know and, and so, that was my point before. My point before is like, you know, before I lost my train of thought was that, Yes, I have this utopia in mind um, where we may not need police officers to the extent that we need them now, right? Because, you know, there's always going to be some level of crime, right? There's always yeah. going to be some, you know, criminal, a criminal element that needs to be addressed, right? Mm -hmm. Especially emergencies. But if we start allocating funds towards education, towards health care so that people can get the proper uh, attention when it comes to, you know, mental illness. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guys out here that are committing crimes, man, they got problems. Yeah, yeah. They got problems. Yeah. Well, well, look, Charlie, you know, you had that you had that doctor here before. I'm Dr. Boz Drazinger, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that with my right. thick Dominican accent. But, you know, she said same thing. You know, she's all get rid of the courts, uh, the jail systems all around, you know, which I'm extremely opposed to. But... She made a good point, which is exactly the point that I make, and I, I align with her on this. Like, and do and and what? Like, you're gonna take all this money and do what? No, so so. And that's what happened with the. There's a lot of agencies, thing. but the thing is that we're not focused on the what because we haven't start began to to think about the alternative. This is all we know. I want you to finish this sentence for me. Sure. Begin with the end in mind. Come on.
begin with. Okay, so when you say that, you're implying that you you can't you can't execute your plans without knowing where you're gonna go. You can't just start making no, boom, no. boom boom so, boom so, boom. So you know what? There are there are like community initiatives, you know, justice centers that that have already been conceived. You know, plans that have been already uh, have you, know, you looked seen into with experts. These community centers, not I'm not, not the community centers, because the community centers are completely different. But these are uh, crime peacekeeping NGOs. initiatives. No, yeah. have you yeah, seen, there's organizations? Have you right seen now. them at work? Have you seen? And, and listen, well, I know well, they exist. Yeah, we we're beyond. But, you know, but I can't tell you that I, I've seen them at work. I, I, you know, I can only tell you that I know that they exist. And the question is whether we're at the point where we can be judging them accurately without them receiving the proper funding. And and the thing is this: the thing they is, are the thing funded is, better than the. Not most say the other. police department. Don't say the police so, department because the, poli- the police departments are funded. Ratio wise, well, you gotta fund the police department. You gotta remember. And and again, this is oh, but let's get back to the, what I, the point that I was making about defunding the police. You are you're turning it into a police state. If all you wanted the cops to do is lock people up and arrest people, that's the last thing in the world that anybody wants. We moved the whole entire police department moved towards being a multi prong agency that does. More than just arrest and summonses. That's what you want from a police department. You want a police department that can show up to the scene and say, this doesn't warrant an arrest, but I know I can help you. Or do you want a police department that's going to say, this doesn't warrant an arrest, I'm leaving. Good luck with your problem. Okay. So first, we would need a police police department that would train their officers to do that, to, to, to really have discretion. Check. Do we have that? Yeah, we have that. If you believe in training, yeah, check. I don't believe in training. Uh, let me let me let me let me scratch that. It's not that I don't believe in training. There are certain things that training cannot undo. And you know, let's speak about training. How how long is training? What do you mean? My, training is my understanding. You, you get, you get I know, training. I know, I know. You get training even when you're on the force. You get training but like, to become a police officer to get a gun and a badge. To become a police officer, the training is six months. Right. All right. So six months. Right. So you're supposed to enforce the law within six months of you. And in some college education, yeah, you have to have uh, I think the minimum is like sixty college credits or some military uh, background. Okay, so my thing is, you know, this is another question, and maybe I'm simplifying it. It took me four years of college and three years of law school and taking the bar exam for me to be able to interpret the law. Just interpret the law. Yeah. Why does it take six months? To actually enforce the law without having that that time in? Great question. I I I'm gonna tell you right now, when I was getting ready to graduate the academy, I was intimidated. I was like, I, I passed the test. Flying colors I passed the passed the test. But I was like, I don't know every single law. But you know what you do? You me- mentorship was what gets you through right. it. Right. So let's Which is the double edged sword. So Ooh. so so, all right, so let's talk about mentorship, right? Um, would you agree that there is a division um, within the New York Police Department as far as leadership, even among people of color? I mean, even among black and brown yeah, the, the officers. Division, division, what do you mean division? Meaning that um, there's some, there's a lack of leadership, or there is leadership, there's divisions of, of leadership within uh, officers of color. Would you say that there is a strong, uh, you know, mentoring uh, division in the police department that specifically caters to like 
how police officers scrutinize how police officers are treated as as opposed to how their white counterparts are treated in the police department to ensure that black and brown officers are also being trained the right way, being also promoted, um, you know, just treated the right way in the police department. Yes. Because, you know, racism... We, we, we have we have an office of diversity and inclusion. Okay, so are they doing their job? Because, you know... <laughs> no, like, no, no, yeah. Listen, so listen, so listen. I've had, I, like, I've had officers, you know, I have had officers that are friends that have told me that there is a problem within the police department when it comes to discrimination within each other. There's all, and, and I hate saying the word listen. I'm going to clean that up along with people of color. And, I know, because, uh, you know, that's that's like that's telling me what thing. to do. That's the cop thing. That's the cop I know, I know. I apologize. I, 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 self-conscious, you know, self-awareness. Um, and that's how you treat the people in the street. <laughs> <Listen? laughs> joking. 14 complaint reports, civilian I'm complaints. Joking, I'm joking. No, so, so. I'm really not. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with you. And I, and I, I would agree with those officers that racism exists mm. you know I, I i would agree with you that we're not playing on an even we're not on an even playing field i would also agree that there's a double standard i would agree with all those things i and i'm not gonna get into my own personal experience right right right, right. but there is absolutely so if you agree with that wouldn't you agree that if it exists within the departments and amongst police officers wouldn't you agree that that would also or could possibly affect the way they enforce the law in these communities as well. Because if there's issues, if there's racial tensions within the police department, then you can argue that the way certain police officers uh, navigate or police certain communities um, also have a discriminatory or... The, the problem with that is this. Like, there is no longer proactive... Well, not that there is no... There is very little proactive policing... Cops aren't jumping out the car and, excuse me, chasing after people. You know they're not. They, this proactive policing thing is done. I don't. I I don't see it as much as I did before. I'm not. I'm not saying it's done. I'm saying it's a lot less. So, are like I. I just can't see. And I, I review body worn camera footage. Okay, I look at arrest reports. Uh, the main focus, and and maybe. I do have a skewed perception today, more so than I did 10 months ago when I worked at another another unit. Today, I'm looking at the detective bureau, you know, where where this these are investigations, investigations that take time and take a lot of uh, just effort. Right. And and I don't, I don't want to dismiss it because I know that where where we've been in history, um, but. I just don't see that being the case as much. Like, there isn't enough of a, a sample pool to say, yo, cops are still investigating blacks more than they're investigating whites. Like, that's no longer the case. Or, mm -hmm. or rather, my experience has been that we're, our focus is completely different. Even, even those racist cops that, you know, you want to point out and say those are the bad apples, like, they're not coming out the car nowadays. Every cops know. If you are white and you shoot somebody, you are Esara... Shit out of luck, right? Well, are you really? 99% percent of, of officers that that kill someone aren't convicted nationwide. Well, congratulations about your stats and your numbers. That I don't know where you're where you're getting them from. No, no, but like nine. But you know, those are the numbers. The numbers. Well, the numbers are, from where? You know, like like when you say officers, when you say officers 
are, are afraid to come out. There is still the reason why there's been so, so much unrest among the people is that police officers are not held accountable. I agree when they with commit you these crimes. Historically, nationwide, cops have not been accountable for those things. Right. So, I agree with you. Right. And we can we can even talk about Breonna Taylor for for a second, if I may. Right. Like you look at that, and 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 I I read somewhere that one of those officers was convicted but released due to COVID. And I may be completely wrong, but I, I read that he was convicted. Like the one guy that shot from the outside, the other two are never going to be convicted because they're in the performance of their duty and they're shot at. And they shoot back, right? Those guys are never going to be convicted. It don't matter who you elect. You know what I mean? The, the guy that shot from the, from the window, you're out of your mind. Why are you shooting indiscriminately? Right. You're not, you don't know what you're shooting at. So in essence is this. There is, there is a lot of miseducation, right? Because people aren't, are usually, they tend to go with what they read first and then what's sensationalized. And that's not the case all the time, right? A perfect example is uh, George Floyd. George Floyd, right. Perfect example. And, and you know what, what kills me about uh, this whole thing with George Floyd? And I, and I checked the cop on, on Instagram the other day. I normally stay away from, like, I don't want to tell people they're right or they're wrong, especially right. in their own accounts. But I had to check this cop. Who's got more time on the job than me? He posted something about how George Floyd was high and he was high on crack. And, that, and I'm like, yo, bro, you've seen me put my hands on plenty of people. Because guess what? I've put my hands on plenty of people. And I said, you've never seen me put my knee on somebody for eight plus minutes. Right. You've never seen that. What are you, forget anything else. Yo, you out of your mind? Like, what are you excusing? George Floyd could have been high on PCP, crack, cocaine, heroin, and everything else at the same time. It doesn't matter. You don't keep your knee. And, and here's what kills me about the whole thing and people rioting and stuff. Every single police department in the world came out and said that cop should be arrested. Cops were crying in uniform. Cops were, cops were standing with the community, fist up. White cops, black cops, everybody. Yo, I don't know a single cop that would be like, yeah, well, you know. Not a single one that would even start a conversation like that. With, well, at least not with me. But, you know, also, you know, we live in different times where... If a police officer does say something, there's going to, you know, there's going to be major backlash, because police officers aren't speaking out and saying that the killing was justified. It doesn't mean that they believe it, right? I mean that they don't believe it. No, no, no. the the common ground is that that was unnecessary behavior by the officer, and it led to the death of that man. Okay. And that may be the case, right? And I hope that's the case. Well, I'm just giving you my experience, Charlie. I, I, no, 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 right seriously, no. And I hope that's the case. But but but, 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 but you can see, that... but but you can see why some of us are cynical, right? Because the blue wall of silence has kept many officers from being convicted. So here's the good thing about the blue wall of silence that you like to quote. And uh, it's my first time I quoted it. No, no, no. Today, <laughs> but on text messages. <laughs> <laughs> so so those. By the way, by the way, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Sergio and I, we, we go back and forth on text messages all Yo, the damn throughout life. time. <laughs> this guy harasses me. Yeah, for at least 14 years we've been at this. <laughs> so, so those other cops, you know, the, the, the Asian guy and the other guy that was there, those guys got 
fired and they were I think they were charged. I don't know what ended up happening with, at the with the with at a Raymond, but they were even charged. Like my thing is this, and everybody's been like, "Yo, man, yeah, you guys, you guys fucked up. This is what you fucked up. What blue wall of silence? The guys that did nothing, they got in trouble. Yo, shame on you. Shame on you for standing by, seeing something that's wrong, and not grabbing the guy by the shoulder right. and saying, "Yo, get off." Right. Any, however you want to address it. You better fucking do something. There is no such... Uh, I don't want to say there's no such thing as Blue Wall of Silence, but... Uh, and not because it exists or it doesn't exist, but I don't want to be insensitive to that. You know, I think that there are people that have experienced things and they feel like I was wrong and somebody else saw it and they didn't do anything. I don't want to be insensitive to it. So I, I can tell you right now, for me, it's right or wrong. I just hope that there's enough police officers uh, that are like you that think the same way. And, and you know what, Charlie? I don't know if I'm right, if I feel good about that or not. You know, like when Donald Trump became president, um, that empowered people to all of a sudden be like, yeah, put a wall up, keep those people out. And so I was kind of like, oh, I'm glad I can see this now. I can see what you were thinking the whole time and I didn't realize it. And now here we are, different topic and maybe they are intimidated to say well no George Floyd you know he was high on crack and high on this and all this other stuff and my, my point has always been regardless of it the guy you should not have put your neck on the guy for eight or nine minutes right. you know it's that has that's irrelevant to the guy's what he did before and you know by the way some people always bring up the the point of you know look how cops treated this guy versus how cops treated this guy and i think and and this is this is like a point towards cops the the one thing is you know cops are going to react to how the person acts when they're going to get arrested you know if the if the person being arrested says all right here you go you got me turn around put my hands behind my back cops are just going to lock them up if the cop if the person that's going to get arrested says well i'm going to fight then there's going to be aggression and by right. the way anytime the cops put put their hands on people it's gonna it's not gonna look pretty it's never gonna look pretty you know uh, and 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 that's something that has been people recorded you know i think there, there's new legislation now so that cops know you better not interfere in the recording of a civilian in your performance of your duties right um you know so uh that kind of defies the laws and makes it a little bit clearer. So, so with the handling of the protests, you know, I know it's a bit conflicted because some officers are saying that the protesters were being violent. Um, I think there was a narrative that was painted in which the majority or the protests itself were violent, which, you know, that was only like a small segment of the community where, where we're considered, where it was doing, you know, some of the looting. And I don't know if you can agree to that because you were there on the ground. What was your experience with the protests? Well, there was violence, 100%. There was absolute, there was violence. The, I, you know, I, I'll, t I'll put it to you like this. My wife has younger cousins who are in, in college now, and they came down to the city to protest. And my, they asked me, what was my advice? How do I stay safe, they asked. I said, it's very simple. The moment, first, I don't need to tell you to be respectful to everybody, not just police officers. Be respectful to everybody and everybody's opinion. But more importantly is this, you want to maintain safe, the, the, before the sun goes down, you better be home. And that's the best piece of advice I can give you, because what happens is this, the sun goes down, that's when the looting started, they started lighting up cars on fire, breaking into stores, uh, so, so there was violence. I don't think it was from the people that were there to show uh, 
their uh, their displeasure with the incident with George Floyd. I think that, that they were there to create chaos, and that's been organized. And and we exp what we experienced was that you had all these kids from the Bronx, and you had kids from Harlem, and kids from from Brownsville that were being sheeped and herded by these Antifa people who were you know the green hair, and they, they, you, they were not from New York City to organize chaos in the city. So once we started picking them off, then it started, uh, then the looting kind of subsided a little bit more. I understand that the news or, you know, some people try to depict the protests as violent. Um, it's, it's, good to, it's good to hear from you since you were on the ground that your experience was that, that there were probably some local folks that were also doing the looting yeah. um, and that you had to make some arrests. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, right. no. Which which is unfortunate because it dilutes the whole protest. However, I do want to feel that in wanting to look at, you know, how institutional structures, how um, how just the way we allocate our sources, our resources to certain communities. I think um, the, the society or the world that we want to work towards is a world where uh, looting doesn't have to take place where an individual doesn't think that he has to break into a store to, uh, to, to steal something, you know, but obviously we're not there yet. And, um, and, you know, and that's unfortunately going to happen, especially in very poor underserved communities. Despite that, like, you know, do you think that police departments, because of their duties, because of their obligations, tend not to look at these things as, you know, on a social uh, holistic level, like why is that? I, I don't know. I don't know too many cops that would oppose the protests. You know, I, I, I we're at a point in society, and and, and you know, twenty twenty. I said it before. I said it again. Everybody understands the need that why people protest, and we get it. We got it. We're gonna be out there. You know, I don't want to sound like one of the brass of the NYPD, but we're gonna be out there. We and and our job is to make sure to maintain order. Like that's okay, but. People that are protesting need to also realize, and I, and I hate to sound very, you know, forward with it, but they have to realize that there are people amongst them that are there just for chaos, and that right there is the dangerous part. You know, people were there were there were bricks being dropped off in, in corners. There were nails and and things, uh, bottles full of piss, and and signs that said, you know, get ready to attack. You know, as in get ready to attack the police. So, there, it's not just uh, we're not in the ideal world yet, and we have to realize that they're being infiltrated. The same way that there are bad cops that infiltrate the NYPD, there's also bad civilians that infiltrate this good cause that should be all about one thing, and that's justice for Floyd. Mm -hmm. You know, this, it's the exact same way. Also. To, to think about it overall, because I don't want to compartmentalize and, and, and ask you to think about viewing uh, people that commit crimes on a holistic level, but also viewing police officers on a holistic level. Um, you know, I know mental health is a real issue. Mm. And um, I believe last year, 2019, there was a record high of suicides uh, among police officers nationwide. Mm -hmm. I think New York City uh, or the state of New York had 27 officers that committed suicide. I would imagine that people that uh, do not find an issue in taking their lives are more willing to take someone else's life. So, like, how do you feel the department is dealing with mental health issues of the police officers? So, so I, you know, 
uh, I don't I don't want to dismiss that and say that that's it's if if you were ha committing if you're having thoughts of committing suicide, you're e more likely to kill somebody else. I don't know that there's a relation to that. I I would assume like you that there is. Right. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm just assuming. E either way, that's something that as a police officer, it must be addressed because you have a firearm, and if you have a firearm and you're having suicidal thoughts, unfortunately, that firearm needs to be removed. Not just that firearm, any firearm that would facilitate those suicidal thoughts need to be removed. Right. And then the issue needs to be addressed. And, you know, part of what the things that, that the NYPD does is we've been trying to culturally destigmatize suicide so that the men and the women can come forward easier without feeling like they're going to miss out on their career or without feeling like they're going to be shelved for the rest of their career. Now, is there a setback? Well, yeah, you have to, you have to be medically treated until you're greenlit by, by a medical professional. And once that the issue has been resolved, then yeah, you can resume your, your issues. And that's something that can't be rushed because we've had that before where somebody was, uh, they complained of suicidal thoughts, they were modified in their assignment, uh, their guns were taken away, they went through the whole process, their guns were given back, and a year, you know, a year or two later, however long it was, that, that person then committed suicide regardless. So, so it's a sensitive topic. It's not as easy to say you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. You know, no, it's one thing at a time. First things first, your life is important. Life is more important, right? That's right. Let's, let's address that. Once that's secure, then we can talk about the career. I hope, I hope the New York Police Department is taking that very seriously because mm -hmm. uh, depression, anxiety, uh, all carries a stigma. And, um, you know, and some people may see it as, you know, the wrong decision to make to make your superiors aware of whatever issues you're having. I would imagine if if they were to remove any duties or if they were to take away your gun, that's in essence taking away a part of your job. And, yeah. uh, yep, you know, right. it may not be disincentivized. You're not, you, you may not be able to get a promotion as a result of your mental health. And, um, you know, some folks may view it as this is a reason why I don't want to address my mental health issues. But I really hope the New York Police Department is providing these services as you say they are. But yeah, man, so we're wrapping up. You know, I know you got to go. Uh, you know, I don't want you to get in trouble at home. I, I can sleep over. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll smoke another cigar. But I usually do this with my guests. And uh, as you know, I practice law. Typically, when I am preparing for a trial, I go through a process called jury selection where I attempt to select jury members that I uh, believe would be fair and reasonable so that at the end of the trial... Um, it is those 12 members that I look for and I hope to gain, obtain favor from uh, for the sake of my client. If we were to substitute these jury members with spiritual advisors, you don't have to give me 12. Uh, but if you were to give me a few so that everyone can know a little bit more about Sergeant Sergio de la Mota. Sergio, who happens to be my father's name, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, my late father's name. Yep. Um, who would they be and why? Just a brief sentence as to why. So I, 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 uh, the f first guy that I say is uh, my old partner, Daniel Silverio. He is my spiritual leader. Uh, as much as we argue, just like, you know, we're work wives. Or he's my work wife. Uh, I say I'm the work husband. Um, <laughs> you know, he, we, we bounce ideas off each other back and forth. And 
he's the guy that, uh, as, a, as a rookie, as I stated before, he, he used to have me listen to these Farrakhan speeches and Malcolm X speeches, and he's always pro-us, pro-black, pro-Latino, uh, you know. So I, I, I like to bounce any idea I have off him. Great family man. Nice. Uh, another good friend of mine, John, he's, uh, he's the CPA guy that's uh, very well-versed in a lot of things, even Keel. Um, you know, my uh, my current boss, uh, Rodney Harrison, who's the, the chief of detectives, the guy is Mr. Common Sense. He is common sense embodied into a human being. Mm. Uh, there, he loves problem solving, which is why I think he, he would be, he's a great leader in the NYPD, and I hope he continues to, to rise. Um, I, I spoke about Umbe, uh, who's uh, our frat brother. Yes, from Rutgers. From Rutgers, he's my wife's cousin. Uh, I spoke about Fran Lee, who's another one of the cousins. Uh, you and uh, you know what? I almost forgot Henry. Uh, you, you you've always been a, a mentor to me. I've always reached out to you more so in our in, in our youth, uh, which is when I really needed it, which which helped me become the man that I am today. Jason. Jason uh, Rosario, founder of the Lives of Men. That's right, Jason Panteras. I know him uh, when I met him in uh, 1996 as my summer camp group leader. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's six or that's twelve, but uh, th th those are my 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 totem poles those are my and cool. dr we say danny vol that's home base you cool. know that's what that's why i tag when i need to uh come back home and, and, and feel centered that's what's up brother that's what's up well yo it's already time to like get out of here but i just wanted to say thank you thank you for your service may you be protected in these streets and may you have the clear conscience to always do the right thing thank love you, you bro and para siempre thank you sir love you too para siempre